Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Clean Libertarian Podcast, and happy Halloween. Hope that you had a great weekend. Hope that you got to take the kids out trick-or-treating, depending on whenever you're listening to this. And most of all, I hope you're able to you know, go out and have some fun. Um, pretty much any recovery spot in your neck of the woods is going to be having some sort of event. Uh, I would absolutely reach out to them, see what they got going on. It might be tonight, might be later on in the week. But during this time of year, this Halloween sparks like... Now we're going to the holidays, and this is a really tough time for a lot of us in the rooms uh, for various reasons. But now is the time to dig your heels in, plug in, find out what your local recovery spot has going on, and get involved, man. Uh, Just as much as you need them, they need you right now. And so, um, hey, listen, got a really good episode lined out for you. I'm not going to linger too much on this uh, intro because this guy went on for a while about some solid, solid parts of recovery. Uh, This is a phenomenal story. I enjoyed listening to it. Um, This is Wedge. This is a buddy of mine from Twitter. And uh, I've gotten to know him over the last, you know, uh, little while on the Bird app. And just, I don't know, he exemplifies a part of the program that I really appreciate and enjoy. And I know that listening to the story, you're going to come to the same conclusion. So without any further ado, here is Wedge. All right. What's up, Wedge? How are you, Drew? Good to talk to you tonight. Thank you so much for having me on. I am I am really grateful for this opportunity. Man, it's it, you and I have been, been talking for quite a while, and you're one of the uh, first ones I met on the Bird app that was, you know, hey, I'm in recovery too, and we, we've, you know, kind of been able to to hang out, you know, online, obviously, and, mm-hmm. and all of that, but man, those relationships that we formulated are, are very valuable. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm stoked to get you on, man, to share your story tonight. Well, thanks so much. And yeah, I agree completely. You know, the, 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 the group there is terrific. And um, yeah, there's, you know, technology has just been, you know, um, as I'm telling my story, you know, I'll, I'll point out right now, you know, I'm in my mid fifties, which means I'm almost 60. Um, and, uh, you know, I've seen a lot in terms of technology over the decades and stuff. And just, you know, where we're at now to have this ability to, you know, uh, converse with um, anybody, you know, anywhere at any time is is amazing. When I think about, you know, the stuff I had to do when I was a kid, um, you know, having what uh, five or six channels of TV and, you know. Yeah, dude. Um, now it's like, you know, unbelievable. And I, you know, I, I talk to younger people. So I'm like, you just you have no idea. And, and this is. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's um, it's wonderful. So, thank yeah, you again. I I think one of the cool things, the only good thing that I saw come out of what happened with recovery, uh, with COVID and lockdowns and everything is technology was more embraced by this community. You know, mm-hmm. there was I have groups of friends. I would go to uh, conventions. You know, a state over, and that's you know once a year I get to see them. But nowadays, you know, they, they have a Zoom meeting and I'm able to kind of sit in and hang out and see them and catch up. And uh, so that's, you know, the one shining part of it. And, you know, hopefully we can fix the human interaction bit, you know, later on. I, uh, I, I agree completely. Um, you know, in terms of um, in terms of Zoom, I'm I'm a big fan, um, you know, I'll, as, as I'll get into um, later, you know, um, I was I guess about eight months sober. 
when um, the pandemic hit. And I was, I was so reliant on in-person meetings. Um, and I don't know if reliance is the right word, but I mean, you know, I, I get so much out of them and I, I really enjoyed going and I, I'd go to like, you know, four or five meetings a week. And now all of a sudden everything was locked down. And, you know, uh, I, I, I was at first really kind of antsy thinking about it. And um, I'm, I'm part of a clubhouse that we have here uh, where I live, um, which is in the New York City area, by the way. Um, and uh, a lot of people there who, who, you know, go and I, I used to uh, chair a young people's meeting uh, as well. And they, the people who run our clubhouse just absolutely hit the ground running and started up with Zoom and it was fantastic. And uh, um, I, I was, I mean, that really helped carry me through um, through the pandemic because again, I, you know, I'd like to think that I would have held together, but uh, I honestly don't know. And, you know, during, during a, a time period where, you know, in some places, the only place you were allowed to, to go out of your house was to the liquor store. Um, this was, this was not an environment yeah. that's, you know, alcoholic friendly. So no. yeah, I, I, I love zoom. And the other great thing about zoom is, you know, you go on to the, uh, you know, the uh, directory of the AA online directory. I, f- I forget the, the web address, but they've just got all these zoom meetings. I mean, there's like, there's like, 10 zoom meetings every hour that you can connect to. And that's, that's so awesome to have, to have the ability to do that. You know, when you're like, you know what? Oh, I'm running late. I'm not going to make this, this meeting in town. Oh, well, I guess there's, I got to wait till tomorrow or a couple of days. And you can just, you know, in your pajamas, just jump on and get on a meeting. And I've, I've been on meetings, you know, all around the country, a couple of them outside the country. And it's it's really great. Uh, you know, it's it's certainly not the same as in person. You're 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 not going to really. Um, it, it the dynamic is totally different, as you know. You know, the meeting before the meeting and the meeting after the meeting, and correct, yeah. Build your network and things like this, and it still can be done through Zoom, but it, it's a very different dynamic in person. So, uh, but I'm with you on that definitely. Yeah, and that's kind of you know. So there's like pros and cons to it. The pros are, I can tell you right now. Uh, lots of recovering truck drivers are super stoked with the embrace of zoom, uh, you know, cause they're able to, you know, tune into a meeting while they're driving down the road. Right. But uh, you know, the other side of that coin is, you know, like I said, like you said, the meeting after the meeting. Um, and then also like if you're new and your first introduction uh, to a meeting is through zoom, like how do you even get a sponsor? Like, I mean, you know, like there's a lot of intricacies, uh, to recovery that, you know, you and I were afforded the ability to be introduced to recovery outside of the pandemic. But, you know, I, I work in, in rehabilitation and I can tell you firsthand that like, you know, a lot of these people, they struggle with that, you know, and, and zoom is about the most alienating type of thing, especially if you're new, you know? So, but for those of it's, it is good to there's, there's pros and cons to it. Uh, but you know, this is just me being an old man screaming at the clouds, you know, get <laughs> off my lawn. Uh, but anyway, Wedge, why don't you uh why don't you just start us out, man? Tell us about you know where you came from, what it was like, what what happened, and what it's like now. Okay, well, um, I'll I'll, I'll give you a spoiler. What it's like now is freaking awesome, and life has has gotten so much better um in ways that I, I never really thought they could, but, um, I, I'm, I'm from the New York city area. I've 
lived within an hour of New York City for my entire life. Um, and uh, I, I grew up um, in a community that was very, very ethnic. Um, and I was not part of that ethnicity. So um, for, for all intents and purposes, I kind of grew up as, as a minority in that. Uh, and I, again, I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to real life minorities, but I was just, I was the, the outlier. Um, uh, all the other kids spoke two languages, their native language and, and English, and I didn't. So I always kind of felt like an outsider. Um, my, my parents were both 42 when I was born. Um, and I'm an only child. So, you know, they, um, there was, a, there was a very big generation gap, um, there. And, um, but, you know, I mean, I was part of, you know, the, the kind of stereotypical, um, working the middle class, you know, American family. My father was a factory worker, um, and he was able to own, buy and own a home, um, a two family house, you know, in the 1960s, um, on a factory worker salary. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, we, and my mother was a homemaker. So, you know, life was, was home life was for the most part. Okay. Um, my father, um, was an alcoholic and he was, he was the type of alcoholic though, who, if, if I saw him five times in my life, like really drunk, it was a lot. He, he just, he was a guy who would come home from working at the factory, sit down, put away two, six packs of bud, um, and you know, that was it. I mean, he, he rarely showed any kind of effect from it. Um, and, uh, my mother would have beer with him too. Um, I think you could probably technically say she was an alcoholic as well, but certainly not, not to the extent my, my father was, but, um, so, you know, so my childhood was a little bit, you know, different. Um, I, I didn't have, um, a lot of peers who were, you know, of the same background as me. Um, I did make a lot of great friends though, and I still have friends to this day, 50 years later, um, you know, who were from that, that ethnicity. So, um, uh, overall things, things were uh, through the childhood, you know, other, I was, I guess what's basically the, the theme that's going to run through, through a lot of this is kind of a, um, feeling different, feeling left out and then eventually kind of leading to isolation. So uh, I, I, I kind of always felt a little bit different, like I didn't fit in, um, but I was a really good student in grammar school. And, you know, of course, when you're a kid and you're getting straight A's and all this stuff, you think everything's great. Well, realistically, the, the reason that my grades were so good, and I, I, I was a smart kid, but um, my grades were like excessively good because all the other kids practically in my class had to take English as a second language. You know, they came here not knowing English. And so um, let's say the pace of, of, of the classes had to go really, really slow um, so that they could they could try to keep it. And, and you know, I, I understand all of it, you know, at this point in my life. But right, but it wound up making me, they were like, you know, the school teachers were positioning me as, as some kind of, you know, prodigy or something. And I wasn't. I mean, I was, I was a smart kid, but that was it. And um and my parents just thought, you know, wow, this is great. No. And, and then I got to high school and I was in a much. Oh, oh, by the way, I, let me backtrack. When I was in third grade, I got skipped a year in the middle of the school year. Dang. Whoa. Because, because um, 
again, of, of, of being so far ahead. And I actually did get a skip with two other students who were both part of this ethnicity, by the way. And um, so kudos to them because they, they learned, um, they learned English, you know, as not their first language and they still ramped up their grades. So we all got skipped a grade in the middle of the year. Um, because of that, and because um, I just made the cutoff when I started kindergarten, um, I started high school at 12 years of age. And I, high school, I went into this much wider cross-section of, of different uh, different groups and everything. So they, um, uh, it, it, was, it was definitely um, adjustment for me and my grades uh, suffered a bit. And the, the, the one thing that this taught me a lot of lessons about parenting and stuff because you know, I, I know it was the old days and you know, people say, well, you know, parents, and, you know, they, they didn't think about these things. They weren't as sensitive as they are now. And, you know, there's, of course, two sides to that coin. But, you know, uh, rather than, than try to, to look at what was going on with me in my life at the time, uh, my parents, um, kept telling me how disappointed they were in me. And and that was a dagger. I mean, you know, yell at me, call me stupid, you know, do whatever you want. That that really stuck. And I really went into the, I went into a funk in high school. Um, you know, that 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 kind of ebbed and flowed a bit. But you know, my my grades were like slightly above average. Um so anyway, um while in high school, of course, I, I started to get exposed to uh, alcohol. And um, I guess the fact that my parents both drank every day in the house um, made me a bit more familiar with it. I also had an aunt and uncle who owned a liquor store about two blocks from my parents' house. So I, I used to be there a lot too, yeah. And um, so um, I had this familiarity. And, you know, when booze started coming into the equation when I was in high school, um, I, I kind of knew more about it and stuff, and that made me um, somewhat cool with the, the crowd that I was with. And again, I, you know, I, I didn't fit in on other levels, but now all of a sudden, here's something, you know. And um, so, so that that was was clearly um, a way for, for me to kind of get in and, and kind of become more popular and stuff. So, anyway, um, I went on to college then, and. Uh, College was was college. Uh, you know, I went I went to a commuter college. Um, it's not no longer a commuter college, but you know I had to. I was I was 16 when I started college, so I had to take a bus, um, and so uh, I went I went to college and you know had lots of fun. I did I did okay with my grade. Yeah, I did well with my grades, um, but you know I was I was. I really kind of got into, I, I wasn't part of a fraternity, but I hung out with a lot of the guys who were and, and, you know, but at some point in there, you know, your, your really shifted around. And, um, you know, I was focusing less, less on school. Um, you know, I had, I had a couple of courses that I took that were requirements that were like entry level stuff. Yeah. I should have just aced. Um, but you know, what wound up happening was, you know, I was like, wow, this is so easy. Who needs to, to you know, I'll, I'll go down to the pub you know, right. rather than, than go to class. And, um, you know, one, one of my nicknames in college was why bother? And that was because people would say to me, hey, man, you want to you want to go down to the pub and grab a beer? And I would say a beer. Why bother? 
<laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. And, and, you know, my whole life I was, uh, you know, I mean, I could go and be sociable and have a glass of wine with dinner or something, whatever, with people. But that wasn't my thing. It's like if, if I, you put your drinking hat on and you get to it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. You're showing up to work, man. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I, you know, I, I was able to get through, you know, college and, um, you know, I, I, I was still mostly a, a weekend and, you know, whenever the party popped up a uh, drinker and, um, you know, one, one thing I'll say, and I'll, I'll, I'll um, kind of frame this way also, um, I, uh, I guess, I guess you would call it luck, but I was lucky in a lot of respects, you know, through, through my years, um, a lot of the yets I never got, you know, I, I didn't get arrested. Um, I didn't have to detox. I didn't have to go to rehab. I, I dodged all kinds of things. Um, and you know, again, sometimes you say that's lucky. Um, but on the other hand, maybe, you know, maybe my life would have turned out very differently if at some point in my twenties or thirties, something happened to wake me up. Um, and I might've gotten, uh, help sooner. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's always, it's always hard to say that. And, you know, I'll, I'll, one of the phrases in the program that I'm not particularly crazy about is when they say, Oh, you're a first time winner. And what, you know, I, I, I yeah. hear people say, you know, they say that about somebody who, you know, who, who tried the program and on the first shot, they stayed sober, you know, they didn't relapse and everything. Okay. You know, I get that. And, you know, and some people take a lot of pride in that. Me personally, if you compare me, who waited until, you know, I'm, I'm two years and two and a quarter years sober now. So I waited until my mid 50s um, to, to try to, to sober up. And I'm I'm somehow a first time winner because I haven't relapsed. But I know people who've been trying their their butts off for how long to, to, to get this and to make it work. And they slip and they come back and they slip and they come back. And I have so much respect for them for not giving up. And, you know, all our circumstances are different. And, you know, you know, we all have our different bottoms and different reasons for coming in. But I see those people. I, I have I, I personally think, you know what, if you don't give up, you know, even if you slip, you keep coming, then then you're then you're really a winner. And a lot Man, of that's that potent message right there. I got I got to hop in there because you get me teary eyed. Sure. Brother, I mean, like, here's the thing is that, you know, I am one of those cats. I am a chronic retread, man. I, I, it took a lot of times crawling back through that door before I figured it out. And, um, I'd be lying if I said, you know, I, I sit in on a lot of different conventions and speaker meetings, and there's always that speaker that you're talking about, you know, that says, you know, I never relapsed. They, that's great. You know, I'm glad, you know, relapse does not have to be a part of it, but man, some of that stuff kind of gets that feeling of uh me feeling less than you know going on mm -hmm. you know and so no just thank you for saying that that's beautiful oh i'm, I'm glad you liked it because yeah I, I really you know and again this is i actually i said that once in a meeting and after it was over somebody came up to me and was none too pleased and they said uh thank you for spoiling how i feel about myself or something to that effect <laughs> and i'm like hey i'm really sorry you know it's, it's just you know, I'm just, it's my experience and, and my thing, but, but, you know, and, and, you know, look, if, 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 if that means a lot to you, then that, that's great. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I, 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 you know, I cut that back at all, but. Um, Should have told know. him to call a sponsor. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so um, so yeah, so I, I mean, you know, getting back to where where I was, kind of, um, you know, I, I, you know, in 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 the race to the bottom, I was, I was um, the tortoise and not the hare, you know. So I, right. I steadily over a long period of time. Um, the weekends were obviously much worse, but, um, you know, um, yeah, that, that's when I would let loose. And, um, I, you know, I was just kind of, you know, I start, I got out of college, I got a job in New York and, you know, New York in, in the eighties was, was pretty crazy. And there was, you know, I mean, the company parties and things you could put on your expense accounts, not that I had one, but I mean, you know, we'd be going out all the time and it was just, you know, before before the the market crashed in 1987, of course. Um, but you know, it, it was just you know all kinds of crazy stuff and everything. And then after the market crashed, um, you know, uh, things really uh, changed in New York. You know, all these companies were, um, you know, pulling back uh, a lot. You know, that, that there was a lot of downsizing, obviously, and and you know things, um, a lot of uh, companies merged and stuff. So um, I, I work in in a, in a publishing related field. Um, so yeah, it, you know, things kind of changed and, um, uh, uh, but I guess, uh, well, I actually, I had a job for a few years. It was really my first real job out of college and, um, uh, they laid off a bunch of us, you know, one day and, you know, I was, I was still in my twenties and, you know, I, I, I rented, um, an apartment downstairs for my parents. I didn't have much expenses. I was like, well, you know what? whatever. And, um, uh, that was my first experience with, you know, the, the industry, you know, layoffs and stuff that, you know, that you'll see in work. And, um, you know, uh, I was fortunate to find, uh, another good job that I wound up being at for, for 20 plus years. Um, uh, while working there, um, I, I, uh, I, combination of 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 luck and me having half a brain once in a while um i met the the woman of my dreams and suckered her into marrying me uh, and, <laughs> there you uh, go yeah and i i was you know i was as i'll i'll mention later on you know i'm incredibly lucky to uh to have done that and you know we have um one daughter who's uh you know just just terrific and you know they they have they have been you know the, the greatest part of, of my life, um, you know, without any question. Um, and you know, if, I guess if, if I had seen me through their eyes, maybe I would have gotten help a lot sooner. And uh, I didn't realize because I was, you know, especially toward the end for me, I was in total isolation. I mean, you know, um, it was just, you know, hide in my bedroom with a bottle and watch mindless TV until I, passed out, fell asleep, and then, you know, get up the next morning and start all over again. Yeah. And, and you know, so much of it is, you know, as, as you know, as, as we know as guys, you know, growing up, we're not supposed to say this stuff, but so much of it is just about fear. You know? Yeah. It yeah, is, man. I'm afraid of all these things, but I don't recognize it as fear. And, and so you want to just shut the voices in your head up and, um, and, you know, that, that's, you know, that's for me where it really, you know, it started progressing, but, um, you know, um, in terms of, uh, so where I was, you know, so, but 
my wife and I are married. We have a daughter, and we moved um, uh, to a different neighborhood that had a better uh, school system. And, um, you know, it was great. You know, we live in a really nice neighborhood, and we're happy and everything. And But, you know, we don't know anybody. And I, um, through accident, wound up in my local Elks Lodge, um, which um, is, I mean, I, I have... I, I have tremendous respect for the Elks. They do a lot of stuff for special needs children, uh, disabled veterans and stuff. But it's just about the worst place that an alcoholic can wind up. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, man. It's like a it's it's like a VFW, right? It's yeah, pretty much. Of, yeah. 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 And you know, it's it's a fraternal group. And again, they they do great things. I I got tremendous uh pleasure out of it, you know, when I was a member over the years. Um I, uh, I went to actually go see, they, they, um, they have a, um, a camp where, uh, uh, parents can bring their special needs kids for a week each summer. Um, oh, wow. and the, the, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, th- some of these kids were like on feeding tubes and stuff. The, the, the ratio from camper to counselor was one-to-one. Each kid had their own personal counselor the whole week they were there. And it was amazing to see this stuff. These kids loved it. And, you know, you just think about the parents, too. I mean, you know, how 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 tough it is, you know, to all the challenges that that come along with, you know, having a special needs kid. And some of these, like I said, really um, had a lot of things going on. And just for the parents to get a breather for a week, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, holy mackerel. Yeah, so, that's that's big league right there. Like you, yeah. you changed lives with that, you know. Yep. So, so, you know, again, I joined the Elks and I got along with a lot of good people. We hit it off well, but you know, this was almost kind of like going back to college, you know, it's like, okay, it's a big, you know, we're here to do this, but oh yeah, there's a whole drinking society attached. <laughs> so, um, and I, you know, I didn't really realize, you know, cause I was out having fun and, you know, my, my wife, um, you know, is, is very cool and, you know, flexible with me on stuff and, you know, um, I told her I was going to, you know, join the lodge and this stuff. And she was supportive, you know, she even joined also, she was an active member, but, um, but, uh, long story short, um, I wound up, uh, leaving over, you know, a disagreement on, on the way some things were done. And, um, but what happened was, so, you know, during this time I was, my drinking picked up and it was social drinking and everything, but, you know, uh, you, you, you start, you know, you build your tolerance, I guess, up to a certain level. And then, you know, then you walk away and it's like, well, you know, it's still, it's still going to take me, you know, a fair amount to get drunk. You know, I mean, I, I, I just cause I left there doesn't mean, you know, my, my, uh, um, my, my meter goes back to zero and, you know, I can't get drunk on a beer. So I started drinking at home more and more, and, ah. you know, and, and this was, you know, like I said, you know, the whole part about isolation, I mean, uh, um, you know, again, I, I never drank on the job. Um, I never drank during work hours. I mean, a couple of times we may have gone on out for work and had a beer at lunchtime. Um, and I only had that a beer because my boss was or something, but, um, you know, I, I was able to, to kind of keep all that separate, but, um, uh, you know, uh, over the, over the time we were here, um, I guess it was about eight or so years ago, uh, my wife became ill. Um, fortunately not life-threatening, but, um, she, she had to stop working and, you know, we, we bought this house, um, you know, predicated on, on our two incomes and we stayed here, you know, uh, because 
you know, we kept thinking that hopefully she'll get better and be able to go back to work. And unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. So, so things, you know, became tight with us in terms of, you know, trying to make ends meet. And, you know, that was, you know, like every, like every alcoholic will tell you, you know, finances is a stressor. Oh, yeah. So I was, I was, you know, trying to, to, you know, sort through all that stuff. And I, I just kept getting more and more isolated, you know, also I work from home. And again, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it is that, that kept me, you know, from ever picking up during the workday, even when I was working at home. Um, but, uh, but then, you know, I, I, I went to working, you know, almost full-time from home. And so, you know, when, you know, when you work someplace, you know, okay, if, you know, the workday's over, you go, you make my, go to a bar, go to happy hour, some whatever, you know, it takes you a few minutes to get there. You order some, this was, there, there's no buffer here. You know, I walk out of my office here at home. I walk downstairs into the TV room and open a bottle. <laughs> Boom. That's it. So, just on it. Yeah. Just on it, man. It's just like, I need, I need to, you know, calm my nerves. Daddy needs his medicine, you know, whatever. Oh, you yeah. Want to oh yeah. And, uh, and, and so, uh, but again, you know, it's all, it's all progressive and, you know, you don't, you don't really see it. And, um, uh, I, I, I was, I, I obviously was aware of what I was doing and I was trying, I was trying to dial back and say, okay, you know, I don't need to be drinking bourbon every night, you know, maybe every other night or something. And, you know, uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but Robin Williams had a line in one of his bits about, you know, your bottom just keeps getting lower and lower faster yep. than you can you know, even recognize it. And um, finally the, the, the breaking point for me w- was not, you know, there were no, it wasn't this grand thing. There were no trumpets or, or sirens or anything else. I mean, it was just, I was, um, I had had a few too many cocktails and I usually would isolate myself like, and, and go to sleep. And I, I did have some kind of, you know, buffer in there that would, would keep space between me and, and my family, you know, when I was doing this stuff and I would just kind of go to sleep. I wouldn't see them after a certain hour at night. Um, but then my daughter one night, um, wanted to ask me about something. It was something with current events. And I came downstairs and I started talking to her and, you know, I, I, I realized as I'm talking to her that I was slurring my words because I was, Oh man. And, and I remember saying to her at one point, uh, oh, you know, I, I, I bit my tongue earlier today. That's why I'm talking kind of funny. So clearly I had the wherewithal to realize that I was embarrassing myself in front of my daughter, but I had absolutely no willpower to try to stop. No. I just rationalized it and kept going. And fortunately, my wife came in, you know, and, and heard me like this. And she called me into the other room and chewed me out. And says, you know, I, I don't want our daughter hearing you this way. And I was, I just, you know, said, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. And she's like, how many, how many more times are you going to say you're sorry? And and she's right. And she was totally right. And I went up to bed and the next morning I got up and I, I woke her up and I said, I'm done. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to find a meeting today and I'm going to get help. And she's like, Really? And I said, really? And she said, that's great to hear. So um, I did. And uh, again, (laughs) next to marrying my wife, um, best decision I ever made. I mean, I just, um, you know, I, I, uh, 
I mentioned earlier that, you know, I, I go to a clubhouse for, for meetings and, uh, I went to this clubhouse in particular. It's not, it's not the closest one to my house, but I picked that one because, um, I was, um, somewhere between atheist and agnostic at the time. And I really was like, you know what? I know a lot of these meetings are at churches and I don't want to walk in and have lightning strike and have innocent people get killed. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I should find the meeting in a different place. Yeah. So I end up going to this clubhouse and, you know, it, it, it is like it happened yesterday. I can picture the same faces. I can picture what they were wearing, <laughs> sitting at the same chairs. <clears throat> but I was, you know, I was a nervous wreck. You know, I walked in and there's a guy there and he looks like he, he, he played some serious high school football. And he, he says, how you doing, buddy? First time here? And I said, it's my first meeting ever. And he goes, first meeting ever? And I was like, oh, here it is. It's like, now what, you know? And uh, so, you know, I, you know, when they asked if, you know, anybody was was new, you know, I, I said who I was and everybody welcomed me. And then, you know, I noticed that there's a sheet of papers being passed around and people are scribbling on it and looking at me. And I'm like, now what did I do? <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> I, can't even get, I can't even get this straight, man. It's right. Like, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And then after the meeting's over, one of them comes over, hands it to me. And he says, here, he goes, call any of us at any time. And there was about yeah, 10 man. guys, phone numbers, names and phone numbers of complete strangers. And, and some of them even wrote next to their numbers 24 seven. And so I, I was, you know, accompanying my isolation was I had really distanced myself from people well, on every level, including I was, I was really, I kind of lost my faith in humanity. I had a lot of people let me down and I'm, I know I've let down a lot of people myself over the years, but I just had, I had, I had a few experiences where it was really, um, it was really difficult for me to get over some interpersonal relationships that, that went poorly. And, you know, um, I, I own my mistakes, but I can also recognize that other people wronged me as well. And so I had just, re, you know, re, retreated into this kind of shell. Um, so I, this, this to me, it was like, okay, what's the catch? Who's going to ask me for money? Yeah. You know, what's who, the angle? Right, yeah, man. <laughs> oh and, man. It's like, no. And, you know, the meeting ends and, you know, I'm like, okay, it's over. I leave here. I get into my car. Right. So I walk out and somebody comes up to me and starts talking. Hey, good to see you here. Welcome. Everything. I was like, thanks. And now I'm done with that person. I walk five more feet and the next person. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, I, and really seriously. I mean, it's like, it's like, I remember a world like this. I, it just seems like so long ago. And uh -huh. everybody was, was just absolutely terrific. And, um, you know, it really, it really made it very comfortable for me. Um, the, you know, the, the, the sticking point I had, you know, walking in was, you know, I'd heard about the God stuff. I had read a little bit about the program online and I, you know, um, I come from, uh, an analytical background professionally, you know, my work deals with a lot of analysis of stuff and, it's basically, you know, uh, stuff has to be proven. And so that, that, you know, that whole mindset, you know, was, I carried over into my whole life. It's like, you know what, 
if you're saying there's this God, oh, prove it to me. You know, I, I it's not my job to prove it. It's yours. You're, you're claiming some existence. So, uh, you know, I, I had, um, I had trepidations about that. And um, I was really happy that, you know, the first few meetings I went to that people spoke, you know, there were a couple of people who would, you know, straight out use God, but I kept hearing higher power, higher power. And then, you know, I, I got myself a, a book, you know, the big book, and I'm reading and I'm learning a little bit about this. I'm like, oh, okay, you know. And so I'm, I'm it, it wasn't um, what I feared it was going to be. So I was really comfortable with, with a lot of that. Um, but I still didn't have any kind of connection with this higher power thing. And I didn't, I didn't get it until I was probably, I don't know, maybe a month and a half in the program. And I, and I dragged my, my butt to a, a 7 a.m. meeting and I didn't sleep well the night before. And I'm sitting there kind of groggy and not, maybe nodding off a little bit. And there's a guy sitting across from me and he has the same first name as me. And I had spoken to him a couple of times before, and he's also exactly half my age. And he was, he was sharing and he said, I don't know what my higher power is, but I know it's not me. Uh, Boom. Yeah, man. This was my flashbulb moment. This was like, because immediately I didn't even, I, this just came into my head without even trying. I, you know, I said, I, I work in analytical stuff. I pictured a pie chart with this little sliver of pie in it that says me and the rest of it says not me. And I'm like, that's it. Whatever this <laughs> not me is, I need to grab it by the horns. And, and, you know, like I said, I was probably, you know, a month and a half in the program and I had seen enough from other people to see how it worked for them and how they had success, you know, and some, you know, for, for decades. And I was like, that's it, man. I, I'm, I'm done. I am, I am quitting the debate society. I am going to go with this. The, the, the other thing is, you know, um, I had tried self-help programs and I, you know, this isn't a self-help program, obviously, but I had tried ones that are self-help programs over the years and stuff. Every time I always tried to get involved in something to try to make myself better, I always felt the need to put my own thumbprint on it. Yeah, it's man. Like, I got to tweak this a little bit. You know, they say do this, but I'm going to do this and that. And this was the first time where, and probably because I just saw so many, you know, successes right in front of me, where I said, you know what? I'm going to ride this out. I'm going to do what they say. I'm not going to try and change this. I'm going to follow this stuff and, and, and I'm going to stick with it. Um, and you know what? I will, I will, I will have my higher power. Um, how, however I decide to, to designate it. I kept thinking someday I would, and I, I haven't, I still don't have a name for whatever, but it's just, it is my higher power. That's how I identify it in my head. And um, you know, I, I know a lot of people will, will poo-poo the coincidences that happen. Uh, not me. I've, I've seen things no. happen in the rooms with people that you, you just, you, you absolutely can't explain to anything, you know, attribute to anything earthly. Right. And, um, and, and so um, again, rather, rather than being, you know, somebody who would, you know, wants to challenge things like this, I was just like, you know what? Um, I'm I'm gonna stick with it. It's it 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 looks good. And um also in that time frame, I did um 
Uh, so let's say the third best thing I've done in my life. I got myself a sponsor. Hey, there it and, is, man. And, um, uh, you know, again, um, I'm, I'm sharing my only my experience here. So, you know, for, for anybody who might be listening, um, I swear by sponsorship. I mean, it has been I, I wish I wish everybody in life had a sponsor, even if they're not an alcoholic. I know, uh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The world right? could benefit from this deal. You know what I mean? Totally. <clears throat> ha- having somebody, you know, outside your immediate sphere to talk to about stuff. And, and you know, and again, I, therapy's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm you know, I, I think therapy is wonderful. But, you know, to have a peer that you can talk to about stuff that's going on in your life who's not involved in your life. So they can, they can give you some kind of objectivity. They're not worried. Like, well, you know, if I give him this advice, you know, his, his wife's not going to talk to me anymore. Or something like that, you know, just having somebody completely separate who you can talk to and, and bounce things off. Because I, I, I asked the guy to be my sponsor and I was incredibly lucky that I found the perfect guy right off the bat. Um, we, ha- we had some mutual friends actually. So, um, that made, that made it easier, you know, um, for me to kind of connect with him. But, uh, you know, the first thing he says, I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to call me every day, like every day. He's like, yeah, is that a problem? I'm like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. You know, and, um, uh, and so, uh, I'm like, all right, you know, what particular time we set this up and, um, you know, we, we talked and, you know, we started going through the steps and, you know, I, I was uh, nervous and anxious about stuff, you know, step four in particular. And, and, you know, uh, and, 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 and I don't know, it, it was just kind of facing all these things, you know, and, and again, you know, I work in publishing, so I deal a lot with written words, Well, putting my own words onto a piece of paper and have them stare me in the face was, was kind of scary. Um, and, uh, but, you know, uh, he was like, you know what, let's just do it, do it at your own pace. You know, he's like, I don't, I don't want you to wait two years, but I'm not going to, you know, rush you and, and, and force you to you know, do this right away. And he just took so much pressure off me. And, and it was, you know, it was so easy. And, you know, in terms of step one, I, I got to say, I never had, I will not never, but I have for the longest time, not had any kind of problem whatsoever identifying as an alcoholic. I mean, I, I, 10 years ago, I knew I was one and I just, I, I, I didn't care enough about myself to try and yeah. fix it. Yeah. Which is so messed up because, you know, I care about my wife and daughter more than anything in the world, but I somehow, I just like disconnected those things and, you know, and I, I, I just, you know, wasn't, um, I wasn't paying attention to, you know, everything that was, that was around me and, uh, and just realizing again, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't the nasty drunk, you know, I wasn't violent. Um, but I, I was just like, I could be set off, you know, at any minute on, on things, you know, I, I, I had issues where I would be loud. And to me, you know, I came from a loud family, so that was normal. My wife didn't. And, and it was like, you know, uh, it, it, it definitely became, you know, problematic for us. And I, I thought the problems we were having is because we didn't get along. It took me a while to realize later on that, well, you know, maybe the problems wouldn't have been gotten as bad as they did if I was sober. And I don't even just mean sober at the moment of the disagreement, 
but sober in general, living a sober life and not being a dry drunk, you know, <laughs> in between binges or whatever. Um, so yeah, um, I, I, I had no problem identifying as an alcoholic and that, that was really, um, uh, an easy admission to make after that thing started to get uh, more difficult. Um, you know, well, more challenging, let me say they haven't been difficult. They have been, they've been challenging, but I, you know, that's what, you know, you, you step up and, and you deal with it and, you know, going through the steps was, was fantastic. And again, I, I listened, I followed, I didn't tweak. I had a couple of, you know, urges here and there. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to shut my mouth and just, you know, do what I'm told here. And, and again, yeah. of course the beauty, I'm sorry, but the beauty of this is it's not what I'm told. I'm not being told anything. He's setting an example for me. Show me what worked for him. Telling me that's what's it, man. Yep, yeah. and and that that really connected with me because you know I there's there's other people I know in the program, um, you know, uh, men and women who I I love to death. I I think they're they're phenomenal people, and they come into meetings and they're fire and brimstone and all this stuff, and that's awesome, um, and I love hearing them but they couldn't have been my sponsor. That would not. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, man. Like, and I think that a lot of us come in and we're so already anti-authoritarian. Uh -huh. um, you know, it just kind of comes with the nature that, you know, I, I have been told also, and like you said, you've been let down by people, you know, interpersonal relationships, you know, not only have you been let down, but you'd let down other people. So it's kind of a learned behavior to not listen to mm -hmm. what you say, but watch what you do. So if you're telling me what to do, I'm not going to listen to you. But if you tell me a story about you going through something similar, what you did to get out of it and the result found therein, I'm a lot more likely to follow that. And that's exactly this type of sponsorship that it sounds like we both have, yep. you know? Oh, it, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's low key and you know, he, uh, he took, a, you know, a, a great interest in me um, and, and a great interest in learning about me and, and what makes me tick. And, and you know, that's helped a lot because, you know, I, I have tendencies to, you know, get frazzled and, you know, wound up over things unnecessarily sometimes. And, you know, he he knows how to talk to me. You know, he he's, he's good at dialing, dialing it back for me and, you know, kind of get, helping me put things in, in a better perspective. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, uh, it's been just a, a wonderful, um, you know, relationship um, having with him. And, you know, there's, as, as you certainly know, so many of these sayings in the program, which, you know, people say sound like cliches and stuff. And I'm no fan of cliches, but they just all seem to be true. Sooner <laughs> 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 or later. You know, you're going to you're going to see that. And, um, you know, I I just uh, um, I, when when my sponsor would would say to me, you know, when I call him up and we get off the phone, he's like, hey, thanks for helping keep me sober today. Yeah, man. I thought it was just a line he was throwing out there kind of to be nice or something, whatever. And I I started to realize it, but it wasn't until I became a sponsor myself that it really hit me. It absolutely works both ways. And, and, you know, my sponsees do as much for me as I do for them. Yes. And, and it's, and it's just, you know, like I said earlier to, to me, this, this peer relationship kind of thing has been, uh, 
has been tremendous. So, um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I've been involved, um, you know, with the program as best I could. I, I, uh, I, like I said, I took on a couple of sponsees. I, I, I chaired a weekly meeting. Um, and then of course the pandemic hit and, um, you know, that really changed everything in terms of, uh, you know, how we, meetings were attended and everything. And, you know, my, my clubhouse hit the ground running. They started up Zoom. I didn't even know what Zoom was. Um, but, you know, I, I, I got to say, you know, at, at roughly eight months sober when, when the pandemic hit, I mean, you know, I was, I was nervous. It's like, okay, you know, they're, they're, they're telling us they're locking us down. And I'm like, you know, I, I can only go out for certain things. I'm like, you know, I'm going right back to that isolation, you know, yeah. that, that I, I, you know, was, was so deep into. And, you know, of course the liquor stores are open during the pandemic though, cause they're essential. Uh, uh-huh. so, and the dope you know, houses were too, man. Yeah, they didn't yeah. close. And, and so, you know, um, but Zoom really, you know, helped really was phenomenal for me. You know, I chaired a Zoom meeting and, you know, I I actually I, uh, you know, I did get we were talking earlier. I did get a sponsee through Zoom, um, which. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, what happened was um, uh, it was a guy and he was he had some legal situations he was he was dealing with. And, you know, he um, he was going to court. And so I messaged him through you know the Zoom app. I, I asked him if he had a sponsor and he said, no, I said, if you need a temporary one, you know, I said, and, and I said, I don't know, you know, I, I know like courts will tell you, you have to go to AA um, or, or another kind of program, whatever, you know, um, yeah, your, your situation is. But, um, you know, in, in, in this case, I said, I, you know, I, I don't know if, if it would help him to have a sponsor, but I told him, you know, if you need somebody to be a temporary sponsor, I'd be happy to. And I said, you know, uh, I'm going to take it hundred percent seriously. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing it just to, you know, to help your, your court case, but you know, I'm, I'm doing this because, you know, I, I, I want to give this back. And, and he was like, wow, thanks a lot. That would really help. And so we went through the steps over the phone, you know, and, um, and, you know, I, I still have not met him in person. You know, he, he li- lives uh, about four hours away from me. Um, and at some point, you know, I hope to, to be able to get together, but um but yeah, so um, I've, I've, it's, 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 it's just so different than, you know, the, the program that you see on TV, you know, that the, the way, you know, people think it's like, you know, all, all these, you know, guys with their collars up, you know, trembling, smoking a cigarette, you know, <laughs> right. It's no. like, and there certainly are some <laughs> be wrong. And, and, you know, I was, I don't know, uh, a year, maybe a few months from being that guy. <laughs> Um, yeah. But um, but, you know, I mean, there you walk. I mean, there's professionals, you know, of 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 all kinds of ways, people of all ages and things. And, you know, everybody, uh, you know, just wants to help each other. And uh, I, 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 yeah, I'm I'm still in awe. You know, I talk about it now and, and I still I still can't really believe uh, that this program exists the way it does. And, and I'm so grateful, you know, that that. Uh, that I came around, you know, in life at a time where, you know, we've had, you know, all these people for how many decades before us, you know, setting this program into place, building on it. And then, you know, the technology, when the pandemic hits, you know, there's zoom, it's like, wow, you know, I've, I, I've, I've tried to, you know, become a more glass half full guy and, and look and really say, wow, 
you know, there's been good things that have happened. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that I have this, you know, I'm, I'm lucky, you know, this whole pandemic thing stinks, but man, you know, this is here and, and, you know, and I can talk to people on this. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really, um, it, it's been a, a, a terrific time, um, you know, over the past two and a quarter years. Uh, I, 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 I can't envision my life in the future without the program part of it in, in a large way. Right. Yeah. Same here, man. Same here. That this thing comes in. I heard a speaker talking the other day. He said, uh, you know, I, I tend to do the NA thing a lot. He said, you know, uh, narcotics anonymous is not something that I bring into my life. It's not some outside entity. I am narcotics anonymous, you know, and, and that's once you stick around for a while, you know, I, I mean, it's just the natural progression of things, man. Like you become, this thing. And that's why this program works. You know, it's, it's not because somebody forced you or made you or did anything like that. You know, it's that you met a loving embrace of people who understood exactly what you were feeling. You know, it's, 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 it's those times when you're just like pouring your heart out and like, you don't know where else to turn and you've got nothing. And and you see that old timer across the table from you chuckle and says, man, you're going to be all right. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Cause he's been there, you know, and, and it's those moments, man, there's so many different aspects to it. You know, I, every, every time I, I bring one of you fantastic people on to share your story, another little piece of that gets introduced to the world and we're better for it, man. And, and, and isn't it, isn't it great? I mean, you know, every meeting I've been to just about every meeting I've been to, I've learned something. And if I walked out not learning something, that's because I wasn't paying attention. Yep. You know, I, I mean, and, uh, and I've seen things, uh, I, you know, I'm going to try and tell this story and I always break down when I tell it. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to really try here and I'm glad we're not on video. <laughs> I was in a meeting in our clubhouse once and I don't know, there's maybe a dozen people and we're sitting around a couple of big tables and there's a, there's a woman, I would guess maybe in her mid to late twenties, and she had three kids with her and one was, you know, old enough to be occupied with the phone. Um, one was, you know, an infant to sleep in her arms. And the middle one was probably like three years old. And, um, and, and this is a little girl and she was getting antsy and who wouldn't sit in a, a you know, at a meeting with a bunch of grownups. And, and, and <laughs> right. so she's getting restless and she's whiny and she's, you know, talking and crying a little bit. And so her mother's got a newborn, you know, holding and everything. And she's trying to, and you know, I don't care. I don't, it doesn't bother me in the slightest, you know, doesn't phase me whatsoever. Anyway, some time goes by and she finally realizes, you know, she, she feels like she's obviously feels like she's disrupting the meeting. So she takes the kids and goes into another room. Okay. No big deal. Just about as, as the meeting's about to end. Now there, there was a guy sitting in the meeting. And this guy was sitting in the corner and he was squirrely. I was watching the whole time. Um, you know, it was summer, but he, he looked a bit sweatier than normal. And he's, you know, definitely a little bit restless. And so it was actually when they asked for burning desires at the end of the meeting, the guy raises his hand. He says, you know, I didn't want to come here today. He said, I, 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 I went past the liquor store, you know, that's a quarter mile away from here. And I wanted to go there and not come here. And I came in here and I'm like, I don't want to be here. And, I, you know, I just 
I'm not in a good mood. And I was waiting for an opportunity to leave, to just walk out in the middle of the meeting. He said, but then he says, that woman got up with her kid and went to the other room. He said, and I didn't want her to think that I left on her account. But he says, you know what? It passed for me. He goes, I don't feel the urge now. Oh, and and I, I mean, so now you've got half a dozen people. Eyes are welled up in tears. I mean, this mine guy are was, too, man. Right? It was like, you know, wow. an, an hour ago, he was about to go into a liquor store and a three-year-old girl saved him indirectly. I mean, that was just like, he's, he's like, and, and again, I mean, you know, so here's this guy, he's, he's an alcoholic, he's struggling, he's in a bad way, but he's, he's thinking about someone else, you know, right. he want to make her feel bad. Like, like he, you know, got up and left the meeting because the kid was noisy. Right. And, and I, I talked to him out in the parking lot and I told him, I said, man, that is one of the most awesome things I've ever experienced here, whatever. And he's like, yeah, he goes, man, I was so close. He says, I just kept thinking, and you know, somebody left the meeting earlier because they had to go like halfway through the meeting. And I was like kicking myself because I should have just gone with them. He's like, but then, you know, he said, after an amount of time, I didn't go. I was like, you know what? I, I can't now. I can't do this to her. And I stuck it out and he's like, and it just passed. And uh, it was, it was amazing. So there's so many levels to that too, man. I mean, yep. there's, oh, we, how many, I, I can remember a time when I wasn't even noticed or even considered somebody else's feelings, you know, and like he was taught that, you know, like he, that's, that's something he learned. He probably didn't know it and maybe he still doesn't understand the full gravity of that. But like we change, we become men and women of character and of value in those yep. rooms. Oh man. Yeah. That one, this room got dusty real quick. Wedge. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, you know, I've, seen, I've seen, you know, so many things, you know, similar over time and, and, and just, you know, heard fantastic stories um i'm sorry shares i know some people associate stories with fiction oh, <laughs> these are, okay. these are yeah, yeah. yeah they're shares and uh and yeah it's been um you know it, it's it's been it's been wonderful and uh like i said i wish i wish everybody had you know some kind of 12-step program and, and especially a sponsor in their lives to help them you know deal with stuff because uh, i mean just you know in in every way so my my home life, you know, got um, a lot better, you know, progressively. And, you know, I guess, the, the, you know, the interesting thing was when when I first got into the program, it was at the start of I had 10 days off uh, from work. Um, so a week and a half I was going to be off from work and my wife and daughter went to visit my mother-in-law. So I was alone in my house. Um you know, as I'm, as I'm starting to go to meetings and, and, you know, trying to get sober and stuff. And, uh, you know, that, that, that was, was really kind of, um, you know, jarring for me because, you know, I, I, I go back home and there's nobody but me and the cats. And it's like, you know, there's what's stopping me. Right. The only thing stopping me is, you know, this, this desire to just, I just, I just, I, I knew that, I knew that if I picked up even a sip, it would be all over. Oh there yeah, was, it's on, man. 
Yeah, I mean that that is that is it, and and not not you know, and again, I you know, I I definitely could be you know a binge drinker, and um, you know, I I could could go off like that, but um, it, you know, this this isn't you know like if I had a drop of alcohol, I turn into some cartoon character, you know, drooling and running around. This would also be okay. You know what? I tried something again, and I failed something again, and so Ooh, you know, yeah, man. Right. Because it was like, OK, I, I gave this a shot, um, but it didn't work. And that's it. And early on, if I had relapsed, I'm sure I would not have gone back at this point. If knock wood, if, you know, I hope it doesn't happen. But if I ever relapse, I will go back in a heartbeat. And I know everybody there will be welcoming me. And um, I, that's that's not any kind of fear it, that, you know, that I would be anything less of a, a complete person. You know, I've certainly I'm not aiming to relapse. I'm going to hang on to this as best I can. But, um, you know, and my and you know, my sponsors always said this, you know, he's like, hey, he goes, don't you know, don't don't get yourself, you know, too worked up about this. He goes, if, if you know, heaven forbid you relapse, you come back. And I've seen how many people come back. I've seen people, you know, who were in the program before I came in, went out, came back and, you know, they're a year and a half sober. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, um, you know, every, it's just, you know, we're all different. You know, our circumstances are different. Our wiring is different. And, um, but uh, I mean, uh, you know, I'm just, I mean, I, 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 I deal better. I talk better. I mean, I, it's, you know, it's been positive for me as, as an employee even, and not again, I, I did somehow didn't drink on the job at all, but I've, I've just learned other skills. I mean, you know, I, I've learned to to be more patient, to to kind of you know not react. I've I've built in like my own seven second delay, where you know I I I pause myself before I say something that might be hurtful, even though I don't realize it. You know, even if it's just toned with somebody at work. If I'm dealing with somebody, you know, if I have somebody who's supposed to do something for me and they're not getting it done right, it's easy to get frustrated when you're on a deadline or whatever. But uh, it's just taught me to to interact so much better and, and, to you know, to, 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 I guess, I guess really put myself in other people's shoes, you know, with, un, without be con not consciously doing it. Right. You know, I just kind of relate to them and I'm like, you know what, this guy's done a great job for years. Maybe he's just having a bad day. You know, it, it's not going to help me to, to make a, you know, a wise crack or, or be sarcastic or whatever. And, and so, I, I've seen myself be better that way. I'm, I certainly am, you know, um, a better husband and a better father. I'm, I'm, I mean, at the very least, because I'm here, I'm part of everything, you know, with them. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny when I, when I first came in my, um, I was talking to my wife about the meetings and stuff. And, you know, initially I was like the first, you know, week or two, I was really gung ho because, I saw stuff was working and it was, it was the, I guess the pink cloud to a certain extent, but I, um, I remember talking to my wife and, and her, she wasn't really having much of a reaction to stuff. I would tell her about, you know, what I was learning and stuff. And, and, and finally I said to her, I'm like, am I missing something here? Or is there, you know, I said, and she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm glad, you know, you do this. I'm like, what is she goes, I'm like, I'm getting the sense that you, you, you you don't think this is uh, the right thing for me or something? 
She's like, no. She goes, that's not it. She goes, I don't think you're an alcoholic. I think you're just a drunk. Hmm. And I've shared that with people many times and I've gotten the full gamut of reactions. Yeah. I've heard laugh. I've heard people say, oh, that's insulting or whatever. I knew exactly what she meant. She thought that I was just a guy who was like still a big frat kid who just like getting drunk. Right. And that was right. it. And, and to be honest, I fully didn't, you know, uh, appreciate the difference myself until I can, <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. And, you know, because, because, and I, and I think, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe for a lot of us, you know, that's, you know, you, you want to keep that gray area there, you know, about, you know, um, for people saying, you know, there, it, any kind of label you can put on yourself other than alcoholic, you know, uh, would be able to keep you out there maybe. So who knows? Uh, maybe subconsciously uh, that's what I was doing. But but I explained to her and I said, I, you know, I said, you know, look, I understand where you're coming from. And let me say this. And, you know, she did not realize how much I was drinking because, again, I isolated and, you know, I, I hid away um, stuff. So she did. She didn't realize the volume and she didn't realize that it, it wasn't easy for me just to to just stop. And that, that behavior right there differentiates the two, the right, two right. camps alone, right, you know? Yeah. Right. Why can't you just have, you know, two glasses of wine mm -hmm. and, and you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would say, Oh, it, it's really good wine. Or <laughs> I come up with some kind of <laughs> you know, dumb remark to make, but um, why bother? Yeah, exactly. Yes. So I, yeah, when, um, you know, I learned more about it. And then, you know, we, we, um, the, the other thing uh, I love also is, and I tell this to everybody, you know, the, the big book is online audio for free. It's on Spotify, lots of other places. And I spent how much time on my commute into work listening to that early on. I mean, just over and over and over. I played, you know, the first, you know, uh, 164 pages. Is it 164? Did I get that? Yes. Right? Yep. Okay. Uh, my, my sponsor is going to listen to this at some point. And <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, you know, we'd listen to some of the stuff and, and I would, you know, pause it and explain it. it goes, you know, this is here, what it is and stuff. And, and so she got it. And eventually, you know, now I think, she, I think she definitely fully gets it and realizes, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm coming from and, you know, what my experience was. I don't want to say what happened to me. You know, I, I brought it largely on myself. Um, but, you know, again, I just, you know, uh, I'm not making excuses. I didn't have tools um, to deal with this stuff. Uh, and, and I do now. Um, and, and those tools are, you know, a lot of great information, a lot of great reading and a lot of great people. And, and one in particular, my sponsor. So, uh, you know, I, again, I didn't take any offense when she said that whatsoever. Um, you know, I, I didn't think any differently, you know, a few months earlier. So there you go. Yeah. yeah that's the thing, man. It's that it's impossible to te to tell somebody, even those who watched us, you know, kind of go in that downward spiral spiral. It's impossible to tell them the level, you know, of that. Mm -hmm. um, they like, you know, my family, they're never going to get that man, but you mm -hmm. do, you understand, you know? And so, I don't think it's meant for them. You know, I, I, I think at this point, you know, our job as, as men working a program is to exemplify the best parts of it so much that they don't need to know why we go 
you know, or why we started going, they just need to know why we stay there, mm-hmm. you know? And I hear you. You know, it sounds like you're doing that, man. It, it really does. Um, uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, it's, it is, um, it's, it is, uh, you know, talking about the, the, the AA sayings one day at a time sounds so hokey to people. <laughs> yeah. and, I mean, there's, there's just nothing truer in the world. Yep. You know, how, many, how many times, you know, I mean, I used to, I used to chair uh, a 10 PM meeting um, and, how many times toward the end or as we're closing up, somebody pulls up, you know, in, in desperately needing, you know, a meeting or something, whatever. And, uh, and we like sit them down, you know, and, and talk to them. And I'm like, look, you just got to make it to midnight. That's it. You know, That's today. It. And what happens tomorrow? And I said, you can drink all you want tomorrow. And then, and then we keep them there until after midnight. And they'd say, oh, Hey, it's after midnight. It's tomorrow. I'm like, no, it's today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah brother. Again, I learned this from the old timers. You know, they 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 taught me, you know, that and everything. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's just how I I I can't put into words how much better I've gotten from a program that that they don't even ask me for a dollar each each you know visit. I guess I call it for myself. You know. Yeah. Where I get better, you know. Every time I go, it's just you know, pass the, pass the you know the hat around and and throw in some, and it, and it it's just amazing, you know. Like I said, I kept waiting for there to be you know some kind of hook. Somebody's gonna want something from me, you know, and it just it just never happened. And you know, I've never had anybody, you know, pick up the phone and not want to help me. The worst possible thing I've heard was, "Hey man, I'm driving my kids to something. Can I call you back in a half hour or something like that?" Right. I mean, everybody's always there for you. If somebody can't pick up, Hey, they can't pick up the phone. They can't pick up the phone. I get that. But um, then you just move on to the next number. And that, that was not something I was comfortable with early on, but you know, the results just showed themselves, you know, I mean, it was when, when I did finally push myself to do so um, every phone experience turned out to be positive. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, like I said earlier, I, I, I can't imagine this not being part of my life, um, you know, going forward. But, you know, I, I do have kind of I have some overlap um, between my my disease and my libertarianism. And so I really became a libertarian, um, I guess, about 12, 13 years ago. Um, like so many others, the, the, the Ron Paul Giuliani moment um, was was a was just huge for me. Now I, most of my life, I had been a, a fairly liberal Democrat and, um, uh, I, I worked, um, I guess about less than a mile from, uh, the world trade center. Um, and I was there on nine 11 and, uh, fortunately I, you know, damn I, man, I, I didn't have any, um, yeah, I, you know, it, it's one of those things where I don't even like to talk about, how awful it was because my day was a walk in the park compared to what so many other people had to deal with. So, <clears throat> you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't really try to, you know, um, uh, defer to, to that as, as anything, um, you know, that was problematic for me. I mean, you know, I, I, I got out cleanly, you know, I, I got home to my wife um, and, you know, 
life life was normal and you know at least in the house and every I, you know for so many other people and people i knew personally and everything you know just how awful it was but but that i had um a political knee-jerk reaction to the right um after that happened um i i i guess on some level i took a lot of it personally because it was so close and you know i knew people who who had died with that and i you know i i bought into some of the you know george w bush rah-rah stuff um uh, and um i i it maybe for like a year or so you know and early on you know people were still like you know always wondering if another shoe was going to drop is there going to be you know another plane another you know a bomb or something like that so you know, for a while, I was just like, you know, I was completely supporting this war effort and everything. But but then, you know, a few years go by and I'm like, you know, shouldn't we be out by now? And, you know, and I have friends who are in the military and stuff. And, you know, I want them to, to come home, you know, safely and healthy. And and so I, I started kind of questioning things and I kind of, you know, started moving a little bit back. But then I saw that debate. And Ron Paul just, I mean, again, I was a registered Democrat. I, I'd never voted for a Republican for president in my life. I used to just watch these things because I was kind of a political junkie. And I'm like listening to this guy talking about it. He's like, they don't hate us because of our freedoms. They hate us because we're over there. And I'm like, yeah, yes. <laughs> Who hates us for our freedoms? That, that's, that's, that, you think these people really care about that? And it's yeah. like, you know how, and you know, like he said, you know, how would we feel if, if you know, China just moved into our country and you know started putting building bases and stuff, and that that kind of, I was like, I don't know who this guy is. Um, the, the funny thing is, I had, I didn't realize who Ron Paul was. I, I mean, I knew the name, I knew he was your congressman. Um, there was there was a, I'm dating myself here, but there's a TV show that in syndication that was big in the '80s, the Morton Downey Jr. Show. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Uh, yes. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he was, he was, you know, like a, like a shock jock with a talk show. Right. Big mouth. And, right. And, and I went to a taping of his show once and Ron Paul was on there and, and he was, you know, talking about the drug war and what a failure it was and everything. You were there. And I had no idea who it was or whatever, but, but then I realized, you know, years later, like, Oh, that's the guy. So, you know, I, I mean, I just heard a lot of good things from it. And, you know, then I saw, you know, the word libertarian around him a lot. And I didn't really have a, a, a full grasp on, on what it meant. So I started, you know, looking into it and reading and stuff. And I, I got excited about, you know, his campaign um, and, and what he was talking about. And then I started going into this, you know, uh, down this, this uh, libertarian rabbit hole online of, you know, uh, podcasts and different things like that. And um, early on, I was I was blown away by Stefan Molyneux's stuff. Um, his really, really early stuff. I mean, where he was like recording stuff as he was driving to work in his car. And I mean, just a lot of stuff about the non-aggression principle, peaceful parenting um, was was just awesome stuff. I've I've kind of parted ways with him philosophically over the past few years or or maybe more accurate to say that. He's parted ways. Um, <laughs> yeah, he kind um, of spiraled there a little bit. Man. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but I mean, again, his his early stuff was phenomenal and just, you know, uh, me learning things. And 
you know, the, the other thing was, you know, I lived in, um, so I lived in a really nice small section of a big city that was overall, um, uh, high crime. Um, it, it I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a good adjective. I mean, it had gone through, um, race riots, um, to some extent, um, in, uh, I think it was the seventies and it, it was, um, it was, it was a rough town to live in. Again, our little area was great, but, um, but a couple of things really hit me from, from that experience. The, the, the first was, I mean, our property taxes were insane and we had um, one of the 10 worst uh, public school systems in the state. And, you know, so obviously no libertarian wants to pay any taxes, but if I had to pay some taxes, at least I'd feel better if, if they were going to, to a good cause and all of this money, I mean, the, the amount of money that they paid per head per kid was was insanely high and it was an awful school and there were there were shootings there probably once a month and and it really just got me because I was somebody who oh really always really took pride in yeah I, I really want other people to, to do well I want everybody to succeed I don't care about anybody's background or anything like that their race ethnicity anything I you know and and that was you know that's kind of like you know part of the you know the liberal Democrat mantra and and but my solution that I learned and that I thought was the right way was everything's got to be fixed by the government by the state. And when I when I saw that that started that kind of you know put a little bit of a dent into my mindset. So I'm like you know this money is being horrendously mismanaged, and these poor kids are not really getting any kind of good education. And and you know so so that made me think you know maybe this isn't exactly the best you know, model. Um, so that was one thing I got. And then the, the other big thing was, you know, I, I, I just said, you know, that I, you know, I looked at people evenly and everything and fairly, I have a slight exception to make to that. Um, I used to be a person who thought that, um, there should be civil unions for people rather than same sex marriages. Um, it was, in hindsight, a really lazy conclusion to come to because I didn't put any thought into it. I just kind of followed what most people I knew said. Yeah. And, and I was like, you know, you know, well, what's it, why are they getting so upset? It's just a difference in name, whatever. And then I had a friend who was really one of the first, you know, real world libertarians that I met say to me, dude, it's just a contract. I'm like, what do you mean? He says, it's just a contract between two people. Two people voluntarily entering into this contract. He says, you know, obviously there's a lot more to a marriage contract. He said, but but the base thing is, do you think that only certain people should be allowed to enter into certain kinds of contracts? And mm. with that, he me over. Just boom. I was like, okay, you win. <laughs> I just dropped it right there. I was like, you're absolutely right. If there's a contract, it doesn't make as 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 long as you're talking consenting adults. It's they should be able to, you know, and they, by they, I mean, you know, same sex couples should be able to enter into the same exact con contracts as anyone else. And right there. And, and so I, you know, to me, that was, you know, you know, you know, it always helps when, when, you know, you have something like this pointed out by a friend <laughs> and not, yeah. a, you know, and that's yeah. what you're arguing with, but it made it really easy for me to just say, you know what, 
hey, I, I, I totally, I totally get this. Um, and, and so right there, I was like, okay, you know what? Uh, boom. And I, and I wish, I wish people would, would, you know, use that kind of, um, uh, you know, explanation. Cause you know, as, as, as we're all aware, you know, everybody is so d d trenched in now, you know, with their own positions and stuff and not willing to, to listen out and, and, you know, hear anything. Um, the, you know, the other thing from my experience here also was, you know, where we lived, um, there was a block party one day, um, in the neighborhood and, um, I was there, my wife and daughter, and we met, um, a couple we were chatting with, um, two women, one was white, one was black, and they had, um, the most adorable young child with them. Uh, she was just happy and running around playing. My, my daughter was um, a few years older, so they weren't playing together, but she was just, you know, this little bundle of joy and everything. And they, you know, we're talking to them and, you know, it was, it was a really nice conversation and, um, they started mentioning about a girl and said, yeah, it's not our biological daughter. We're fostering her. And, you know, we want to adopt, but, um, the problem is, um, uh, her father is, um, an extremely violent man who's in prison and he's up for parole. And we've already heard that he's going to be coming for her. And everything just kind of was, it was like, everything clicked for me kind of that day on, on a number of levels because, you know, I'm looking, so right away I'm looking, I'm like, okay, this is just the nicest couple. And I don't care that they have the same genitalia. They're nice people and they should be able to do anything that I can, you know, in terms of, of, of their relationship. So, so that really solidified that. But, but also, and again, look, I mean, I'm only going by what they told me, you know, I, I don't know the, the, the whole story of the father or whatever, but I'm just looking at this. And I'm saying, man, there, there, there's there's got to be, you know, a better way. I mean, uh, you know, I understand that the father has rights and stuff and, you know, that they'll, they'll be, you know, hashed out in court. But, you know, I, I, it just made me like really re rethink so many different um, uh, notions that I had before that. And I, I just remember leaving there thinking, man, I, I, you know, I would I would I wish I could do something to, to you know, to help them out with with this and everything. But certainly, you know, should they be able to adopt? I mean, to me, it was just absolutely no question, you know, how how happy this kid was and, and what a fun life she looked like she was having and would continue to have. So, you know, experiences like that um, uh, re really um, had a, a huge impact on me. Yeah, man. So. Um, but, but yeah, so, so all these little things added up and I started, you know, really looking and again, you know, when, when you get to at the end of the day, it's just, um, you know, what are you willing to put somebody in a cage over? And, you know, when, when somebody, when, when it was first put to me like that, and I heard that I'm like, you know what, that that's okay. So, so basically every crime unquote crime, you know, uh, I just tried to put quotes around that and I botched it, but um, <laughs> crime, you know, at the end of the day, if, if somebody's resisting, you know, and if they feel they're right in resisting to the end, eventually they're going to get shot. Yeah. You know? I mean, or, or, well, before that, hopefully put in a cage, hopefully, you know, hopefully they get to be caged before they're shot. But I mean, it, it's, and it's just like, so now it's like, that's, that's, you know, what I look at everything about, you know, there ought to be a law this, well, I don't know. I mean, 
do you want to put somebody in a cage if they really feel strongly enough about this and don't want to follow it? Um, so, so, you know, some of these things, you know, there's, there's, you know, uh, a lot, a lot of phrases in libertarianism there that are kind of similar to the AA ones. Um, yeah. You, know, yeah. That, that you can really, that you can really pick up on, but yeah, I mean, you know, um, and, uh, I, I, I guess, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I read more. I'm not the, I'm not the most well-read, uh, libertarian out there. Um, I, I, Bastiat and uh, you know, Spooner and, and some of these guys, of course, Rothbard and everything. There, there's, you know, tremendous stuff. I think probably because I work in publishing and I deal with words all the time, I actually don't like to read that much when I'm not working. I'm a big yeah. fan of audio stuff. So, um, but but yeah, I've, I've listened. And, you know, to me, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's such a peaceful philosophy if people will really make the time and effort to sit down and look at it and hear what we're talking about. Yeah, man. Yeah, if we, it's the, uh, it's the stigma of the the greedy capitalist that that tends mm-hmm. to tag along with the libertarian, and that's just that's not who we are, man. I mean, we there's a lot of people that I see doing great stuff. One of the things I and I was talking to somebody about this the other day is that one of the best public figures that we have um, in the LP right now is Spike Cohen. You know, mm-hmm. he, he does all these events across the country and he doesn't just show up and do the one event when the man lands, he's, you know, going to the convention. And then afterwards, he's either feeding the homeless, you know, uh, raising hell at a city council meeting, uh, doing political activism, activism in various different channels. And like, that is what we need more of. We need more of us coming out, you know, and doing good rather than just, you know, theorizing for days and days on ends. Um, <laughs> that's just, you know, one of them things. But we're good at theorizing. Oh, I, absolutely. And, you know, m- my point about, about you know, the connection with um, libertarianism and sobriety, um, you know, I, I've long been a big believer in the um, flight attendant theory of life. You know, put your mask on first, then help others. Ah, and and I've always believed that, but I never applied it to myself in terms of my addiction. You know, I and, and not even like I didn't even think of it. But you know what? If 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 I was being, you know, truthful and holding my holding these, you know, living to up to these standards that I believed in, then I would have stopped and said, you know what? Um, I can't I can't do anything for the rest of my family until I fix myself. Right. And, when I first came into the program and they said, you know, you've got to do it for yourself. You can't do it for others. You know, I was like, yeah, okay. Nice of you to say I'm doing it for others. And it took me about a week and a half to, to really learn and understand that I've got to fix myself before I will be worth anything to anybody else. And, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean, you know, I neglect my family, you know, uh, uh, an important event for my family to run off to a meeting or something, you know, this, this means, that I have to, you know, uh, in in the in the context, you know, put myself first, you know, and 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 my, put my recovery first, really, I should say, uh, because everything will will you know flow from that. And and I, you know, I didn't I didn't own my own disease. I I you know, I, and I should have. And I I was I I lived an extremely hypocritical life, you know, within myself. You know, not really, you know, like it, not that others looked at me that way or whatever, but. 
but when, when you know when I did sober up and I started thinking about this stuff, I was like, man, you know, you know, I I, I was even you know I was even a fraud with that, you know, and uh, I don't know. I I I think um, I I think now with you know the the vantage point of sobriety over time, it's just made me you know think about things, realize you know so many things just just you know about. Uh, I, I I really want people to to try and understand more about you know what what libertarians believe, you know the things we want the things I wanted when I was a liberal Democrat they have not changed at all, it's just the solutions that I think would work better, private mm. solutions, voluntary solutions you know charitable things like this and I know I know people always say oh you'll never collect enough in in charity, I, I, I don't know you know. Um, the people, you know, in, in the U.S. have shown themselves, you know, through through disasters and things to be incredibly generous. You know, I mean, right. the tsunami was a big one. It was I, I remember just seeing one day like an insane amount of money that private U.S. residents donated, not through the government. So um, but the other thing is, of course, well, you know what? If we don't have these ridiculous tax rates to deal with and we have more scratch, of course we're going to do it. I, I would love to do more charitable stuff if I could afford to. Um, and, and it makes me feel good to, to do stuff like that. You know, it, it's, it's not all, you know, I mean, it, it, it's hand in hand and I'm helping somebody else. It makes me feel good. So, you know, I think, I think trying to find, you know, private market solutions is something that definitely, um, you know, people, people don't, I, I, they just get, you know, they're, they're, they get so defensive over it. And I, I, I did kind of, through, um, I don't want to say luck, but through coincidence, um, I did move into the uh, the homeschooling realm um, without uh, directly trying from based on libertarian principles. Um, uh, our daughter um, had some health issues. Um, again, nothing, you know, uh, really serious, thank goodness, but it made it difficult for her to get to school. And, you know, we were working with the public school and they were, they, you know, they were nice there and everything, but it got to a point where we're like, you know what? Maybe we, we like do this, you know, homeschool thing for a year and, you know, then then she can go back uh, when, when everything's, you know, back in order. And so we signed her up with an online uh, academy. And and so, you know, she does all the schooling and we don't teach anything whatsoever. I mean, you know, we will help like parents would normally help, you know, their kids with school. But she does it. It's all self-directed on the computer. And it's phenomenal. I mean, the quality of stuff she's learning. Uh, you know, our public school system where we live is um, a blue ribbon school system. I don't know exactly how they quantify that, but, um, you know, they 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 will brag about that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's it's true based on those standards. But my daughter's doing doing work that I didn't do in college, you know, in high school online. And it, it is it's great. They, and, and again, also in terms of customer service, it's insane. Because there's no middleman paying the bills. It's like I pay the school. When I have an issue with someone, whatever, I call them up. They want to keep me as a customer, and so they work with me. And 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 they're flexible, and they've been wonderful. I have to say, it's it's been you know we deal with uh, the same counselor there you know since so now this is three years that she's been doing it. Um, my daughter, so you know she she loved it so much. We just stuck through it with that. And then you know obviously when the pandemic hit, you saw this flurry of um, uh, of kids, you know, heading toward that model. And, and now, you know, you see people really looking 
at at this and saying, you know, uh, people really um, noticing and acknowledging the shortcomings of the public school system, and uh, and and seeing what other options are out there. And I mean, the the online academy that my daughter attends. I mean, they've had graduates go on to Ivy League schools and stuff. So, you know, I have no no worries that she's not getting. You know, it's it's fully accredited, which doesn't mean a lot to me, but you know, and to the to the to the broader world, it does. Um, but yeah, and and so she's been doing that. And I, I talk to people about this, and you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll mention something on on Twitter. You know, there's a few people I follow, uh, Corey DeAngelis, um, a few others. Who oh yeah, stuff, yeah, who, who have great stuff about you know about um about schooling, you know, options. Let's say, and uh, you know, sometimes I'll I'll add something on there, and I'll mention, you know, my daughter's been going to this you know, private online academy for three years and we love it. And every time I do that, I will get at least five direct messages asking me what school it is. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like to say the school, you know, online, I don't want to come off like I'm being a cheerleader for it or anything, but if people, you know, contact me separately, I, I tell them and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrific. And I, so I also know people, you know, other schools have had, you know, similar experience as well. So um, I, it's, it's been, it's been a really, really good experience. Again, I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't pull my, my child out of public school and, you know, based on, you know, uh, libertarian principles, but it worked out this way and, uh, I'm ecstatic. I mean, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm very proud and impressed with, with, you know, what she's learned and it's been, uh, yeah, it's been, so that's been a really good deal. Right on, man. I want to loop back real quick to your, uh, point that you made about, See, I'm I'm much like you. I came from an egalitarian perspective uh, when it came to politics, uh, mm -hmm. especially like when it came to the role of government. You know, there for a while, I was you know heavily in that camp. But um, just to kind of point to how you know libertarianism and recovery kind of coincide, you know, voluntary charity is a perfect blend of what makes the twelve steps so great. Yep. Not relying on other people, you mm -hmm. know, not, not relying on anybody else, you know, being independent yourself, but also doing good for others on your own contributions. Um, that is such an integral part of my day-to-day -day recovery. You know, mm -hmm. anytime I can get out of myself and help somebody else, not only do I get to stay clean, you know, in that moment, you know, particularly for that day. But I'm also doing good and I'm also being a good ambassador of what makes the human experience so great. Um, yeah, it's I, I loved hearing you say that. And it's it's also really great that, you know, your homeschooling experience, you know, I'm glad that your daughter is doing doing good health wise and everything. But you got to have that positive perspective. You know, mm -hmm. you get to see why that works so well. Yep. Um, I wish I was in a little bit of a better position to be able to do that with my kid, but we're still stuck in the public school system for the time being. Uh, yeah. And, 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 you know, I also, I totally, you know, understand. I mean, it's, it is difficult to, to pull your kid out when all their friends are there and it's all the routine and everything. Oh I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it really is not easy. And I, you know, I think, I think there's libertarians online who don't have children who don't really fully get that. Um, and you know, but it's, it's like anything else where, you know, it, when you really experience it, then you see, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly glad, you know, that we did what we did and, 
you know, I'm, I'm not happy, obviously, about the circumstances that my daughter, has, you know, had health issues that made us do it. Um, it in the end, it's it's worked out, you know, really well. But, um, you know, I, I, I do see, you know, the the point, I, you know, you know, everybody's got, you know, in addition to all our theories, we also have our, you know, regular just day to day lives. And it's like, man, I, I got to get through this day, you know, and and I've got, you know, work and family and this and that. And, you know, everybody's got different things going on. I, I just, you know, the, the, one of the things in this, you know, of, of, you know, of course ties in with, with libertarianism is, you know, when you stop judging other people and that's, that's not something, you know, I, I grew up from a very judgmental family, people, people who I, I guess thought they were experts on things that, that they weren't. And, you know, I, I, you're a kid, you're a sponge, you soak a lot of that stuff up. But, but, you know, I, I just look now and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so much better because I don't let things phase me anymore. I mean, I used to, I used to let myself get bothered. Oh, did you see what so-and-so did about over? Like now I'm like, who cares? Why, why? I mean, again, you know, as long as people are doing stuff, you know, uh, consensually, they're adults. That, what I, I they're not hurting me. They're not hurting anybody. Who cares? I don't care what you do. I don't care right. what you wear. And and when you know when you get to that realization, it's it, it it's it's very freeing. You know, I mean, it's yeah. Just, it's just like, and I that's the other thing. I've shed so much stuff. You know, coming into this program, one of the other things I dropped is this this idea that I was. Um, that I knew a lot of things and yeah, I certainly know some stuff. I mean, I, I know my job, I know, you know, other things that, you know, I, I, I work on on a regular basis, but I thought like, you know, that I had an opinion on everything else and I knew stuff and I've learned, I don't know anything. I don't know <laughs> and, and yeah, man. And once you get there, it's beautiful. When I yeah. said about the guy sitting across from me saying, uh, I don't know about my, uh, higher power, but I know it's not me. Like I said, he was exactly half my age. And outside after the meeting, I almost wanted to hug the guy. And I, I told him, I said, man, that was so profound. And he's like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you know I, I shared for 10 minutes. I mean, you know, and I told him what it was. He's like, oh, wow. And I said, you know, I'm sure I heard that from other people many times, but just the way you delivered it, the way you said it, the context and everything that hit home for me. And I'm looking, I'm saying, you know what? You know, the, the me of even just a few months earlier, you know, was was not an extreme know it all, but certainly to some extent that I thought I knew all kinds of stuff. And, you know, that, that you know, people that much younger than me, well, what does that whippersnapper know about anything? And right. I go to things and I learn from people, you know, in their 20s every single day. You know, I, I've and it feels great. You know, I I don't feel I guess I was just. I guess that was kind of like a, you know, a defense mechanism to make myself feel smarter, you know, and, uh, and it's, instead it's like, you know, no, man, that guy, I, I, I like it. I like having these people in my life. That 25 year old guy is really smart, man. He knows all this kind of stuff. I want to have him in my life. I want to yes. talk to him I want to have him in my network and talk to because I'm going to learn. He'll probably get bored with me, but you know, I, I mean, and, and so, you know, I, that, that was just something else that, you know, I was able to get rid of and I was, uh, you know, really, 
you know, happy about that. And, uh, you know, I just, it, again, it just, it just made me feel good. And I, I just feel like I'm, I'm a better person. And, you know, I didn't think I was a bad person really before. I mean, I, I knew I had my issues and stuff, but overall I thought that I was a pretty thoughtful, caring person. And, you know, but now I'm, I'm like, I just see things through a completely different lens you know, th through this program. And it's like, like I said, it's, it's so much more, you know, people watch TV, you know, and, you know, see Christopher on the Sopranos, you know, go, go into some, you know, some room with a bunch of, you know, scraggly looking people. And then he goes back out and gets high and everybody thinks, Oh, that's them. You know? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. no, no, no. I mean, I have learned so much more about myself and, and my life and life in general, totally separate from alcohol whatsoever. Uh, and, and I, I wish, you know, people, you know, really knew more about that. And especially people who, uh, you know, who are struggling, who, who can't, you know, pull, pull the trigger and, 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 and go and, and try to get help because it's, you know, you, you're not, you know, I think a lot of people think, well, you know, I'm going to go there. I'm going to sober up. And I'm going to be miserable the rest of my life. Cause I can't drink. Right. And it's like, no, man, no, you're going to learn a whole lot more and it's going to apply to other facets of your life completely. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's wonderful. And, you know, you know, the, all the, you know, the stories we were talking about uh, earlier, you know, the, the, the coincidences and things. I mean, I remember when I was, um, so when I, I had my sponsor, I don't know, I guess maybe a couple of weeks and um when I would when I would go into work in New York, there was um, uh, an ANCAP meetup group that would get together, um, uh, I guess every other Wednesday, and um, at, at you know a, at a little burger joint. And here I am with like I I don't know another single anarcho capitalist in real life in the world in person, and I walk into this this meetup thing and like here there's a dozen. I'm like, wow, this is, this is so much fun. This is, you know, so I, I was, I was going to that for a while and this is, you know, um, before I got sober, but, um, so after I'd gotten sober, I was going to go to my first one since I had gotten sober. And as I'm walking to it, I'm talking to my sponsor on the phone and I'm telling him where I'm going. And he says, okay, cool. He's like, do they serve alcohol? And I said, it's a, it's basically a fast food burger joint, but it's New York. So they do have beer. Um, and he says, okay, you're you going to be okay with that? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm not concerned at all. Everybody goes up and orders their own stuff. Nobody's buying rounds. A lot of people don't drink at all. So it, it's tame. I'm not worried about it. Um, a, a lot of times I would go to that meetup and not drink at all because, again, the, the why bother thing. So, um, so he's like, okay, cool. And so I go into the meetup, hanging out, a few minutes, chit-chatting with people he's got a pint of draft beer 12 inches from my face Ooh. and he says um in his russian accent he said he ordered a cider and they gave him this by mistake yeah a, a russian anarcho-capitalist which was very cool by the way <laughs> uh, but um but yeah so he um he, he's got this there and he's offering it to me for free and I said, oh, thanks very much, but not tonight. And I mean, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I missed the most important thing of this. When I was talking to my sponsor, he said to me before we got off the phone, he said, 
remember Bill Wilson on Armistice Day. And I had read enough of the book to know what he was talking about, that, you know, um, that, that Bill, you know, is sober. And then he wanders into this uh, bar restaurant, I believe it's Armistice Day and everybody's celebrating and everything. And he just reflexively grabs a drink. Yeah. And you know what? I, I, I'd like to think that I wouldn't have, but I mean, it's like, you know, I, you've got some of that, I guess, you know, alcoholic muscle memory kicking in where somebody just puts a beer in front of your face. And I, I practically wanted to, you know, suck it out without even grabbing it. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, if he hadn't said that, maybe I would have grabbed it out of reflex. Could have been man. You know, that had me on my guard. And, and again, you know, never happened before, never happened after that anybody offered me a drink at one of these things, but it did that day. And, and, you know, and everything fell into place. You know, I, I heard what I needed to hear and I was able to, you know, walk away from that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's tremendous. And, you know, I mean that, that group, you know, we stopped meeting obviously after the, the pandemic, but it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a really good bunch of people. And, uh, you know, just, I, I used to just sit there and, you know, sometimes people say to me, you know, would like encourage me to like, you know, say something, whatever. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm just soaking all this up, man. I, I don't know any people. Like, <laughs> None whatsoever. I feel like I'm home, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm with my tribe here. And uh, so, yeah, that was, um, that was a lot of fun, but yeah, it, it's, oh, I don't know. I, I just, the, the, there's there like you said there is a lot of overlap between libertarianism and and sobriety and a lot of the same you know um principles and you know it's just you know when people you know people come to this get this impression about you know you know if if you know if you put yourself first then you're really um you know you're just being selfish and you don't care about other people it's like no man it'll, nah. it'll you know if if I will be in the best position to help somebody else out when I've got my own act together. Bam. And there it is, man. Here's, here's a rub. Here's something. <clears throat> I adopted this. I ripped it off of somebody. I gave them credit the first time I told them now I'm saying, you know, it came from somebody. And the next time I explain this, I'll say, this was my idea. Cause that's how it works. But uh, when it comes to the 12 steps, right. A lot of us come into the rooms thinking that they are designed to get us the nice house, the family, the car, the job. Mm -hmm. Nah, the 12 steps are designed to make you of maximum service to the next person who comes along to help. The benefit and byproduct of being that person for the newcomer is that you get those nice things in life. That's a natural occurrence, natural byproduct of being a respectable, responsible, productive member of society. Yep. Uh, and that's that, that's that rub, man. Those 12 steps are meant to make us of use to somebody else, you know? Absolutely. So, sorry, oh, no, man. That's I, my I, little rant. Oh no, I love <laughs> I love that. That that's terrific because yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it is, it is just, uh, I mean, like for me personally, you know, I I've had, you know, lots of good friends in my life, but, um, you know, it takes me a while to warm up to somebody usually. I mean, I, I wouldn't be rude, but until I, you know, really got to know them, I, I, you know, kind of kept people at arm's length. And, and now I, I, I look at, I, I laugh sometimes and think of myself, you know, 
you know, calling up, you know, people I've barely talked to, you know, calling up, you know, this guy who was in a meeting. You know what? He didn't sound too good the other day. Maybe I should, you know, call him and, and see how he's doing or things like that. And and it's like, you know, all of a sudden I'm 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 just it's it's just happening. I it's I'm not doing it consciously. It's just I I I want to help because deep down I realize it's helping me. Yeah. That's it, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Well, brother, this has been this has been amazing, man. This has been awesome. I, w- one thing I I did want to uh so here's the thing. Are you, did you remember the Rockefeller laws or remember hear about, remember hearing about them? I don't think so. Okay. So you're, you're from that, that part of the country, but way back when this whole drug war really started to ramp up and, you know, people are wanting solutions to these uh, invalids that are the drug addicts running around town, shooting up heroin everywhere. Uh, New York instituted what they called Rockefeller laws and a portion of those laws made it to where no more than one addict can occupy a space at a given time. So effectively narcotics anonymous was outlawed uh, in the very beginning. And um, if, if you haven't, I implore you to, to look up and check out father Dan Egan, otherwise known as the junkie priest that dude did a lot of good work during that era uh, for recovery. But I, I mentioned that to say is that it's almost like, you know, with these lockdowns and whatnot, that those Rockefeller laws came back into place. And I'm curious, like, what is the recovery community looking like out there? Are y'all still shut down for in-person meetings or is it? Um, I, I would say here probably 80 percent of uh, in-person meetings have reopened. Good deal. Uh, yeah. Good and deal. and uh, honestly, I think. I think probably much of the other 20% are ones where they've given up trying. Uh, I know some places, some churches have, you know, just really um, n- not wanted to for whatever reason. It's, it's their property, you know, their, their call. But I think, I think a lot of them, they, they kind of just, um, you know, they, they made it clear that, that they didn't want to, you know, be part of this, you know, again, for, for their own reasons. And I'm sure they're valid for them. So, uh, but but otherwise, you have meetings, you know, they're open and, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's a diff, it's a, uh, you know, a difficult dance that, you know, everybody does between the masking and the distancing and what's what. And, you know, um, it's, you know, w- my my thing is, I mean, I, I want to phrase this right. I mean, I. I still tr- try to be as considerate as I can of people who are totally freaked out by this pandemic. There are people, you know, who I think, in my opinion, are, you know, irrational when it comes to some of this stuff. Right. And again, you know, the me of a few years ago would say, ah, that moron, they don't know anything. No, the me of now says, oh man, I feel for that guy. You know, I mean, I, you know, he's for whatever experiences and circumstances you have in your life have, you know, have led you to, to, you know, to be so afraid. And, you know, we, you know, talk fear, you know, about fear being such a, a big part of all this. And I just look at people I'm like, man, you know, I don't, I don't judge them. I mean, you know, it's a different story when somebody's like ranting and raving at you, you know, uh, to, to, you know, to behave a certain way, but, you know, I, I'd be at meetings and, you, you know, they're, you know, people 
are there without masks and they're saying, yeah, you know, I'm so glad we opened up because I'm not vaccinated. Nobody's telling me what to do. I'm like, man, I get all that and everything. but <laughs> You're freaking right. some other people because there are people <clears throat> and saying, you know, he's not vaccinated. I don't know. You know, maybe he's got it. And, you know, believe me, you know, it, I guess where I, where I, I draw this line here somewhere is, you know, if you're, I feel bad for the people who were like suffering like this way themselves. If, if they're trying to tell other people how to live their lives, that's a different story. And, and now you're stepping out of your, your circle there. Right. Um, but I think, you know, I, I mean, I do, I do feel for people, you know, I, uh, I don't, I don't mind wearing a mask into the store that I'm running in to get, you know, quarter milk or something, whatever. If it's, if it's going to have other people feel better, um, you know, clearly that's, it's not going to be a long-term solution. Eventually, you know, um, uh, hopefully things are going to turn fully back to normal. But um, I, I try to be a little bit more uh, sympathetic to what people are going through because, you know, I mean, the, you know, you're just inundated with all this stuff. And man, you know, if, if you read only, you know, one side of, of the data, and I'm using those air quotes again, you know, you'd be freaked out of your mind. Right. But if you follow, you know, somebody like Tom Woods, you know, who um, and he he like retweets somebody. I, I think their their name is I am or something like that. It's a short name who's, you know, every day sharing, you know, information about in other countries or, or different states about how, um, you know, look, look, they have no mandates, no masks, nothing whatsoever. And their cases have gone up exactly the same as the neighboring state, which has everything. Right. So, you know, if you look around and see stuff, you know, I think what you're going to find is inconsistency and a still lot, a lot of unknowns. And when there's unknowns, you don't force people to do things. Yeah, that's the main thing, man. Yeah. It's not that. And I think, you know, a lot of people um, have been mislabeled as, you know, you hear anti-vax. And mm -hmm. I, I've been called that myself, bro. I have every damn vaccination known to man except this most recent one. So I don't know, you know, well, where that comes from, but it's, you thank know, you for saying that because I, I say that to people all the time, you know, I mean, I, I try, I try to approach people and, and again, I'm not, I'm not taking sides or anything, but I'm saying, look, if somebody who's a doctor or nurse in New York city who worked through the entire pandemic. Yes. Okay. Risks them, themselves with exposure to something that in a lot of cases is, 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 is some bad stuff. They work through all this. These people have gotten every vaccination there is in the book. And yet now they're willing to quit their job and give up their livelihood over getting this vaccine. If that doesn't make you think and wonder why they would do something like this, then I don't know what to tell you. Right. But, but like you said, you know, they're people, you know, oh, if well, if you if you're not taking this one, then you're one of those anti-vax loons. Right. And, and 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 I will I will tell you right here. I know I mentioned this to you over email. I'm vaccinated. The reason why is uh, I have um, some immunity issues going back to, to when I was a kid. And I saw my doctor who's been my doctor for 20 years and. The reason he's been my doctor for 20 years is because I like him and trust him and believe in him. And we went over everything. And uh, after we were done and also discussed, my wife and daughter have some immunity issues as well. And I knew they were going to get vaccinated. And, and so I decided to do it. 
that's and I think this is exactly the way it should be done. Everybody should be talking to their own doctor to have have some some talking head doctor on TV who you've never met telling you about, you know, medical decisions, you know, that that you should make for yourself. I'm not comfortable with that. You know, no. flat out. No. And, and so, I, yeah, I am I am completely of the belief that it should be everybody's call. And, you know, um, uh, so much was mishandled early on. And I'm, I'm not going to go into, you know, which party or what, whatever. But I mean, but there were so many, you know, disasters that happened early on. And, you know, I, I mean, I really wish the focus had been put from the beginning on the elderly, the people with a lot of, you know, um, immunity issues and things like that. Protect them. They're the ones who really need it most. And, uh, and you know, rather than this, you know, one size fits all, everything that they think is going to work, because those are the people who, you know, really, really, you know, suffered from it and, and died. You know, I have I have a cousin who passed away from from COVID and she had other health issues as well. So, you know, I don't I don't you know, I don't know if they put that as the cause of death or however, you know, it, right. it out. but you know, I mean, she had, she had very, very serious other things and going on and it sucks. You know, she was my cousin. I, I loved her and I, I hate that this happened. Um, but you know, the, these are the people we should have been looking at after to protect, not, you know, the 25 year old athlete who's, you know, um, in, in, in terrific shape and, you know, hardly ever gets sick and has strong natural immunity. You know, basically, I'm basically quoting Joe Rogan here, I guess, right? I mean, yeah. if, I mean if, yeah. if that's you, you know, if that's you and you're in great shape and this is your call and you don't want to do this, then uh, I'm, I'm all for you. And, you know, I, you know, I, I've, I've talked about, you know, wanting to, you know, get people to understand libertarianism and, you know, to, to kind of, you know, uh, mend things. Um, but at the same time, um, I've, I've also learned that uh, sometimes, you know, you just, you just get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to cut to the chase in this conversation. So, you know, I've, I've a few times talked to someone and I, you know, about, you know, they're, they're, you know, they say everybody should have to be vaccinated. We need a mandate, whatever. And I, and I'll say to them, I, I said, I'm looking you in the eye here. If you're telling me that, let's say I had a, I had a, a child, 18, 19 years old, an adult, right. Um, and you're saying that my child has to be vaccinated and my child does not want to be vaccinated. And if you're telling me that you're willing to have armed men in uniforms come into my house and hold my child down and inject them with a substance, any substance, if you're telling me that you would support those men coming into my house, we have a problem. Yeah, we got a big fucking problem. Yeah, and, oh, excuse and, my and, language. Sorry, and I, I tell you, I, I and I don't, I hate going down that road with people because you can end friendships that way. Yeah, you know, because now it's all come out. Sometimes, sometimes I'll point it the other way, and you know, you gotta be really careful. You know, you don't, you don't say, you don't talk about people's real life kids. But let's say you had a hypothetical child, and now I'm making it their child. And I'm saying, would you, would you help hold your kid down? while they, they, they shot this kid up because they, they don't realize they, they don't think about the next steps. They don't ever think about the after effects, you know, um, and you know, that which is seen, that which isn't seen, you know, I mean, oh, they, they don't appreciate these things. 
it's a lot of people across the political spectrum. It's not necessarily one side or the other, but, you know, it, to kind of go off track here a little bit, you know, it's like the minimum wage thing, you know, in, in theory, it sounds great. Yes, everybody should be able to get this, but the real minimum wage is zero for the guy who gets fired because his employer can't pay that to everybody. Right. And they don't think about that next step. I mean, nobody thinks about the guy who's going to get fired and it, it does happen, you know, uh, and, and so I don't know. I, I've, I, I try to, you know, I try to make my points to people sometimes, but you know, it's, it's, it's sad that it's gotten to be such a hostile atmosphere. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what, what the right approach is. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I try to find people to talk to who are open-minded it's becoming more and more difficult, but you know, once in a while, you know, you, you get through to people and, and I don't, I don't mean that like get through, you, you make your point to them and, and they pick up on it and, you know, they can look at things in different way because like, like you said earlier, I mean, the, the impressions of us, you know, I mean, how many people I know think, you know, libertarian means the same as neocon. I mean, right. they, have, they have no clue. And, and, you know, they, they, I, I can, I can give you a, a quick story here. Um, I was, I was telling the story to, to a few people once. Um, so one night after I went to my ANCAP meetup group, I was walking back to the Port Authority bus terminal um, in, uh, in New York, which is a, a big terminal. And um, as I'm walking there and I'm listening to tunes, I got my, my, uh, my music on. And I see this little situation, you know, among three people in front of me. So there was uh a young man and a woman, I would guess they're both in their mid-20s, um, both African-American. They're walking and there's a guy walking behind them. I don't know if he's with them, following them, whatever. Um, it's, you know, a big white guy. He's probably in his 40s, fairly well, you know, well-built, muscular. And I'm listening to music, so I can't hear what they're talking about. But they keep like, it looks like they're drawn back and forth, even as they keep walking. So my curious nature gets the better of me and I take my plugs out of my ear and they're both cursing a blue streak at each other, but I don't know what the story is. And, but anyway, the, the younger guy, African-American guy tells the white guy, you know, young man, just leave me alone, leave me alone. And the guy keeps following him. And finally, just as we get in front of the, the bus terminal, the, the older guy puts his hand on the younger guy's shoulder, right? spins him around and and throws a punch at him this kid ducks and throws a right cross counter punch that if this was filmed this would have been viral the entire world <laughs> this, the guy he hit i didn't realize at the time i real i figured out later on was quite drunk but he got hit and he was out before he hit the ground he folded backwards. So like, like he was on his knees, but fell backwards. Yeah. I mean, he just went down. Boom. And so now, of course, I've, I've seen all this. I don't know what happened, but there's people around. Oh my God, look what he did to this guy. Blah, blah. And, uh. yeah. and one woman goes over and gets a cop. So the cop comes over and people are saying, yeah, he punched him. So they're pointing to the younger guy. The African-American guy with who it turns out was his girlfriend. I found out later on and they're all doing this. And the cop goes over and grabs him. And it's like, 
he's dragging him over. And I don't know if he's going to frisk him or whatever. And I went over and I, I almost wedged, no pun intended, wedged myself in between the two of them. And I was in the cop's face and I said, officer, I saw this whole thing transpire. That guy put his hands on this young man first. He, he threw a punch at him first and all he did was respond. And I said, and if you need me to go down to the station and give a statement, I will go right now. And like he paused and looked at me, he says, for real? And I said, I'm not kidding. I said, I saw the whole thing and I could, I, not a problem. He's like, all right. And he, and he told the guy to go. Wow. I caught up with the guy and the girl. Um, well, actually I didn't catch up. I was walking and they waited for me to thank me. Um, and, um, and, you know, the guy told me, he says, he goes, man, he was hitting on my girl and she said no. And I told him just to leave us alone. And so, I mean, it certainly looked like that was plausible the way everything played out. But anyway, so I told this story to a bunch of people. And I remember getting looks from people who were like, oh, and, and like even one said, oh, I, I, I didn't see you as that type of person to get involved. And and I'm, and I'm, after I heard that, I was wondering, I'm like, you know, I guess it's. He's a libertarian. That means, you know, he doesn't like the poor. He doesn't like minorities or something, whatever. It, it was just like they were very surprised to hear that from me. And I'm like, uh, you know, I said, I said, the, I said, the only thing I'm ashamed about is the fact that I was the only one doing it, that nobody else, you know, got involved or, or, or said anything. But certainly somebody had, you know, in a split second, certainly somebody had to see this other guy throw the first punch with all the people there outside a busy bus terminal. Yeah, without a doubt. But I, I said to myself, you know, I said, look, I don't know this cop. I don't know his deal. I can't, um, you know, anticipate his thoughts. But what I can say is I've seen enough things about police violence and, you know, and and often um, a, um, uh, a, a knee jerk uh, reaction to blaming the person with the darker skin. Um, just because I'm a libertarian doesn't mean I'm I'm blind to that. At right. All. Right. So that was, you know, that was what I thought, you know, for, for I'm thinking, you know, for this kid, I mean, I'm like, you know, again, assuming everything he said was true, which I certainly, you know, that, that the guy assaulted him was true, but assuming all that, man, this kid's, you know, life could be messed up. And, and realistically, he could have killed this guy with this punch. I mean, this guy felt folded under and hit the back of his head on the concrete, you know, so right, he got up and he was okay. You know, they, they, they were checking him out and everything. But, you know, I mean, this guy's whole life could have gone like that. And and how in the world could, you know, and I told this to other people, too, by the way, who are liberal Democrats in New York who say I would have just kept walking. I don't I don't deal with those crazies outside. Wow. The wow, like, dude. Man, oh, wow. Man. I said, I said, I'm sorry, you don't you, I guess we don't see things the same way. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I see a person. Uh, do they have different color skin? Absolutely. No question, but it's a person. And, and I, I, you know, I, how, how do I live with myself walking away from that? I'm sorry. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I think when, when people really, you know, get a sense of understanding what we believe in, you know, um, our, 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 our core things. I mean, I've, I've God, the libertarian people I've met are just, you know, some of them the, in real life, uh, just really nice, wonderful people who have nothing but good intentions for other people, um, you know, in their minds. And it's, uh, it's great. You know, I, I, I've, I've a lot of, I I've learned, you know, just like I've, I've learned in the program people, I've also learned, you know, um, to go to meetups and, you know, I've, I've had, uh, 
you know, one of the, you know, I was, I was nervous before coming on this, this podcast is the first time I've ever done anything like this. And, you know, I, the one thing I kept, kept trying to keep in my head was, you know what, I've had a couple of in-person conversations with Dave Smith, Austin Peterson, a few other people, and nobody ever looked at me like I was an idiot and ran away or anything. So no, so no, man. so, So maybe, you know, maybe I'm getting some of this, but yeah, I get from them. I get from everybody. I get, you know, I get from people, you know, there's libertarians who I disagree with on something, but I still learn from them too. And, and, you know, it really is a, a peaceful and loving philosophy. And it's, it's just a really a matter of, you know, getting people to, to understand it. I, I, I hope, we, I hope we can have success with that. I really do. And, oh, I'm sorry. I, I just want to mention also absolutely agree hundred percent on, on the Spike Cohen stuff you said earlier when he's on Kennedy. Um, he's usually on like once a week. I mean, he's just unbelievable. I mean, yeah. He, he just says things so matter of factly and explains them just flat out that, that, you know, you, you can't really argue with him on him. He makes, he always makes really good points in, in a very, very effective manner. So yeah, he, he is a great messenger for us. Yeah. Without a doubt, man, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, okay. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, no problem. Phenomenal story. I mean, Wedge, you're a very <laughs> likable person, man, and, and well, I love you. just listening to and, you. And, and you are as well. Believe me, I've, uh, you know, I um, the uh, I I I posted something the other day, or I guess last week, where I kind of got some stuff off my chest, and um, your response was uh, really good and really touching. So uh, you are aces in my book too, my friend. Hey, brother, we stick together, man. That's how this thing works. You bet. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna have you do something that I ask everybody to do who is sharing their story. And that is if you could take a moment to address the person in the audience struggling to get sober, what is some advice you would tell them? And what would you just general message to them be? Oh, thank you for giving me this opportunity. That's great uh, to say that that is, um, what I would say to them is, um, don't give up. You know, I was, I was, when I first went into the rooms, I was the guy who said to myself, it was saying to my head, all you people, if you had my problems, you would drink too, believe me. And in less than a week, I realized that I'm not the only one by far. And there's lots of people with bigger problems than me. And, and, you know, but um, look, look, listen to other people you know, listen to them share their successes. This does work. And, and if, if you put the effort into it, your life will get better in so many ways. And it's not, you're not going to be that miserable person the rest of your life. I go, um, days, I maybe, I may have even gone a week between even thinking about alcohol outside of obviously if I'm at a meeting or something. Um, but you know, I, I mean, this, your life will get immeasurably better and you will have so much help in doing it. You're not alone. There's, there's, there's so many of us out there that now, you know, with zoom, with other things, there's so many ways to to reach out and, and people will just jump for you. You know, what, whatever your, whatever your thoughts are about this program, it's probably wrong. Whatever you've heard on the outside world, it's, it's at, at worst wrong. Maybe at, at the very least, it's it's um, unfamiliar. 
but but once once these things start clicking for you uh, your life will be great i mean i have my i have um more phone numbers on my cell phone of alcoholics than i do of all other people combined yep i mean this is this yep. is, yeah and and how how and you know I mean, I mean, I I like just about every one of them. <laughs> Some I probably don't like much, but you know what? If if they ever called me and they needed help, I'd be there. And 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 so you know, you're you're there's it is not just these you know these uh, meetings and these you know dimly lit rooms where you know people sitting a circle in a circle feeling sorry for themselves. It's uplifting. Um, I I love also the phrase "We are not a glum lot." Uh, you know when. When I came in, I thought I was going to have to, you know, look back at, at all my my years, all the all the fun times I had and, and kind of like reject them and say, OK, that was all wrong and not fun. People are like, no, nah, man, we had fun. Things were fun, but it's over. You know, it's at some <laughs> point stop being fun. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yep. well, then that's it. So, um, I, yeah, that that's what I, I try to, you know, I actually um, when I when I chaired my young people's meeting. I'm sorry. It's not my meeting. When I chaired the clubhouses meeting, catching myself, um, there it is. Uh, I would. Uh, I remember one time, the first time we had a real, first time young person come in, and there was this young guy. He was maybe 18, and he was there with his mother, which I'm sure he was ecstatic about. And it was the first meeting, and she was making him go. And I was trying to think, as people are sharing, like, what can I say to this kid? Here I am in my 50s, you know, and I, what can I say that he can relate to? And the only thing that really came to my mind, the first thing that did it and, and what I went with is, you know what? It may be fun now and it may be fun for years more. At some point, it's going to stop being fun. And that's that's not a light switch. You'll never notice it. And it's going to stop being fun and you're going to wind up um, stuck in this. And now you're not drinking for fun, but you're drinking because you have to, to settle your nerves, to sleep, to do to do to get the voices out of your head, anything. And you don't realize it coming. All the all these, you know, uh, sayings. My my personal favorite is while I'm sitting here in a meeting, my disease is out in the parking lot doing push-ups. That's it. I love and but you, you know, I mean, all this. I if you know, at some like I said, at some point it stops being fun, and then you realize that this this bottle is no longer your buddy who's making you feel better and having fun. Now he's your sworn enemy and, and, you know, you're wrapping your lips around him every night. And, you know, so uh, it, it, you don't notice it. I certainly didn't notice it. I don't know. I mean, my point was probably somewhere in my forties, if not younger, where it stopped being fun. And after that, I was just doing it like medicinally. Um, and uh, you know, I, that's, that's, I guess the thing I would try to really get, get across to someone, you know, and just to try to understand how great the program is. I, 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 I hate to try to, I hate to come off as a cheerleader because I get enthusiastic and you know, that if you're, if you're too, you'd overdo it too much, you know, you can, um, they'll kind of, they might question you as being a little bit goofy or something, but you know, I just, I, I would say more matter of factly, look, I mean, I've done it. I've known so many people who can do it. And with, with the help of others, you know, I get drunk, we get sober. Hey, that's and it. That, yeah. That, that's yeah. Prob- I should probably shut up with that. that that's solid. Solid <laughs> right you. there, man. Way to end it. Uh, oh, awesome. Thank you. Hell, man. God, Wedge, thank you so much. This was a blessing. And oh, uh, 
Yeah. I really appreciate it. Anytime you want to come back on, brother, always an open invite. Uh, Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, man. You have a good night now. And you as well. Take Man, that was such a good story. I enjoyed that conversation quite a bit, man. And Wedge is just good people. So be sure and check the show notes. I will have his Twitter link uh, in there. Be sure and hit him up. Talk to him. Very cool guy. Very easy going and laid back. And um, what we were talking about after I you know, logged out was that hopefully I'll be able to make it out to his neck of the woods and hit a meeting with him at some point. And that's kind of one of those things, man, that when I go to meetings, when I'm on the road, on a road trip, on a vacation, whatever, when I go to meetings outside of my local area, I learn new approaches. I learn new kind of lingo. It's still the same message, but it's a different kind of approach. And those approaches that I find from elsewhere in the country come into play when I get back home. You know, you never know who's going to come walking through that door. You never know who you're going to come in contact with. And so learning how we do it in other parts of the country is of vital importance that we're able to carry that message. It's kind of like, you know, due diligence. So um, anyway, thanks again, Wedge. Love you, brother. And uh, man, look, guys, it's Halloween. You already know what song I'm playing. I got to play this song. This is Misfits Halloween. And I hope you enjoy and have a good one.